Welcome to episode number 72, Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast. This is all about Bassmaster Classic Week, previewing Lake Ray Roberts with a couple of locals, Koi Greathouse and Kevin Bryant, and they give us all kinds of inside information. So if you want to make any last-minute adjustments to your fancy fishing team or just some good inside nuggets that will help you better view, watch, consume the content of Bassmaster Classic Weekend, hope you guys enjoy it. Until next time, helping you guys catch more bass and suck less. This week, the Hell of Bass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, here we are, another Wednesday night, HELLABASS Live. It's Bassmasters Classic Week, so let's get excited. Let's, uh, let's get the party started. Uh, tonight is all about getting ready, uh, getting hyped for the Bassmasters Classic, which starts Friday, bright and early. Uh, so mm-hmm. today was their last official practice day. Uh, they get an off day, media day, tackle prep day tomorrow, and then uh, fireworks begin Friday morning. So we got Koi Greathouse, uh, who is one of my fellow fantasy fishing pundits. Uh, he's actually the the top of the fantasy fishing pundits this year. Uh, what's up, Koi? <clears throat> Hey everybody, man! Glad to be here. Yeah, um, you know it's it's hard being at the top, um, but uh, we're going to kind of like it the out. best of the worst this year, though. Like none of us are really like killing it. <clears throat> man, I was uh, until this last tournament, I was in the ninety seventh percentile, so I was doing pretty right, that's good. That's pretty good. Yeah, and uh, you know I would prefer to be in the top one percent, but I haven't done that in probably five years. So my my second year ever, I was in the top one hundred at the end of the year. And uh, I think that may be the only reason I got invited to write for a bass. And uh, it's been, it's been a grind every year since it seems like when I, when I don't get to look at all the pundit picks and make my, make my selections based on that, I, I, um, I do worse. So you yeah, all have a leg a, up. <clears throat> yeah. Just a quick, uh, Hey guys, uh, make sure, let us know, make sure that uh, Koi and uh, I sound well, let us know in the chats there. I think we do just to check. Yeah, I had like one year where I, I don't know, finished maybe, I think I ended like seventh at the end of the year wow. or something crazy. I was top 10 in Tackle Warehouse, which pretty much means you're top 10 overall. And uh, that was one amazing year. Uh, but I will say like when you have to make your picks two weeks ahead of time, uh, it's a different scenario than waiting to the last minute and kind of, I don't know, it, there's different pressure and you got to like, I feel like you have to like have a good reason and you got to write it up and like give something compelling and you, and then you make picks different. Cause you're like, well, I bet you the other four pundits will pick this guy. So I'm going to outsmart them and pick this guy. Right. And so you're like, it, it keeps you from going like too obvious sometimes. I don't know. It's weird. Like <clears throat> there's too many, there's more traps when the pressure of being a pundit, I feel like. Yeah. In fact, uh, last year was my worst year. I was struggling to get into 80th percentile and, uh, I, I worked my tail off, but I found about halfway through the season that if you're doing really well, 
make the most obvious picks that you can. Like, don't yeah. worry about dark horses. Don't worry about low percentage. Pick the guys that are shoe-ins to do good. And sometimes, like I picked Scott Canterbury on Neely Henry, didn't go well. So sometimes that'll yeah. come back and bite you. But but overall, I found that that's the best strategy for you late in the, late in the year if you're doing well. Yeah, for sure. What's up, Roger? Good to see you. Roger's oh, a big Roger player. Yeah, he, that uh, guy. I've been uh, talking to that guy on uh, Facebook and everything else for years, years yeah. and years. So I think um, I was one of the co-founders of the Facebook group, Fantasy Fishing Facebook group, uh, nice. way back when, it's probably five years ago. And uh, Roger was one of the first people to jump uh, to jump into that group. So cool to see that name sticking around. Yeah, so Ryan says he hoped this uh, the, the classic doesn't screw up his fantasy season. So he must be doing all right. Like I, I'm just uh, I don't know. I'm I'm like I forget where I'm at now. Like it's like 80 percentile. Like I'm just barely mediocre. Um, but still ahead of Ronnie more. So that's all that really matters. <laughs> yeah. So well, really, Jim Sexton um, two years ago. He, he blew the doors off of everybody. So, I mean, it just completely just wiped the floors with us. And so I'm glad that he's, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't like to say I'm glad anybody's struggling, but it's, it's nice to be all ahead of Mr. Sexton. No offense if you're watching this at a later date. What's up, Jay? What's up, Sycamore? Yeah, it's, it's difficult to be consistent in fantasy fishing. Like, you can put together a couple good tournaments, even a season, but to do 90 plus percentile, you know, three, four, five years in a row, that's, yep. a, that's a tough nut to crack. Just like it's tough to go out and like string five good derbies together in real life, right? Like that's yep. also yeah, quite a feat. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, see, my first, my only blemish was the second, what was the second, uh, second lake or second tournament of the year? I can't remember. So we went to St. John's and then we went to uh, Tennessee River. Tennessee River. Yep. That one that one bit me. All of the guys that were shoe ins on that one did not uh they all struggled. I don't understand that one. But well you thought that, that was a bad heard. tournament until Gunnersville. And then that one looks like a good one now. <laughs> yeah, well, seven forty five, I guess I was second to last, but actually I was ahead of most of you until the last day. For whatever reason, the way that everybody kind of repositioned in the standings and Sure. They handed out all the big bass and the and the big big bag bonuses and stuff like that, and and that really knocked me down in the standings. So, uh, you know, it was bad. It was real bad. Yeah, Ryan. Oh, Ryan says he's, yeah, top one hundred. So that's uh, right where you want to be with three derbies to go. <clears throat> yeah. Do we have anybody in the chat who's actually won anything? Prizes? Uh, probably some beat Hellabass guys and and. Yeah. Uh, See anybody that's won my group, unless they go by a different name. Um, I'm not going to sound off and, and uh, brag yeah, a little for bit. Sure. Like, I mean, if they probably have all have beat me several times this season, uh, whether they've actually won the uh, the prize or not. I'm pretty sure Ryan Crowley and I have been in the top end um, several years ago. Ryan, if you remember. I don't know if you remember me, uh, and I may be misspeaking, but I'm just looking through the names here, and there's there's been some guys that have been around for a long time. I mean, this fantasy fishing thing really blew up almost a decade ago, sure, and uh, and so we've got a lot of years under our belt at this point. 
won so, a lot of no. games. Yeah. Uh, I guess before I forget too far, I want to thank Arsenal Fishing for supporting the channel and the stream. Got to shout them out every week. Get tired of the business. Uh, Hellabass15 at arsenalfishing.com. I'll put the banner up a little later so you guys have the code. But you know, if you want to support the show, get some cool fishing stuff, some good apparel, some good sun hoodies to protect yourself, check them out and save some money, and uh, everybody wins. Uh, <clears throat> Roger said he won 180 bucks in the Big Blue Bassmasters group last year in Kentucky. So there you go. Nice. Well done. Um, so got Koi on for a couple reasons. One, uh, it's been a while, a little over. I think we did we talk right before last year's Bassmasters Classic, which would have been, I think, no, right before they, right when you they announced it. I don't remember when that was. We talked like the yep. week after Ray Roberts was announced. And that was sometime during last year's crazy goofed up Bassmaster Elite Series schedule. Um, so one, we wanted to have Koi back on uh, because he's a fancy fishing pundit. And but the main reason this week is because he, at least normally or has lived right down the road from Ray Roberts in the past and has fished it quite a bit. Um, so Koi's on to give us a little extra insight about Ray Roberts. Uh, maybe give us some nuggets of what he thinks about. I think there's some high water down there, what he's heard, what he's seen this year, and then just maybe there may be a special guest joining us. Uh, to be determined if he gets off the plane and gets his bags and gets to his hotel. Um, so there could yeah, be a special we won't spoil it. We'll see if he shows up before we uh, um, <clears throat> before we get into too much details. Yeah, you're making him sound like way too much of a celebrity, but uh, we don't want to say to get too big here, but uh. No, it'll be fun. No, I'm looking forward to it. I think last time we actually did, I want to say it was the Chickamauga uh, Fantasy, and they canceled that event like the day after we did our podcast. And so we okay. were all excited, up, had a great show. I talked about the only the only lure worth talking about, which it'll come up again here in a little bit, and uh, it never happened. The whole tournament never happened until well, later in the fall anyway. So uh, I don't think they're going to cancel – the classic for Friday. Uh, I would hope seems not. unlikely. So at this should, point, should be good. Should be solid. Yep. Thomas brings up a good point. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, and I, I don't know what's all coming around, uh, but there's usually several cool things that come out at the classic. Um, and he's hinting at that. Yeah, the marketing release of Hummingbirds Live wasn't like. At least the images they shared in their video weren't like amazing. Like they would seem pretty par <laughs> at best. Yeah. Um, I guess they'll see when they actually get the units and what they look like. Um, but I think either way, I, I mean, I wasn't like wowed by the images. I also wasn't disappointed after, I mean, after being in a boat that has like Garmin Live Scope, I, I felt like it was similar. Uh, but I think a lot of us are hoping to be like, oh, this is going to be like way better. But the fact that I can hook it up with my already existing hummingbird units and not have to go out and get a off-brand unit and it can all be networked, you know, that that's kind of exciting for me as a guy that runs hummingbirds already. Um, yeah. Well, it's not shocking that, you know, everybody's catching up to that technology. And, and you know, there's been a lot of talks about the shakeup of, you know, how are these guys going to land their sponsors and deal with all the ins and outs of having multiples? Are they even going to keep sponsors for their graphs? Are they going to just go out and buy their own stuff? Or, or you know, all these companies going to actually sponsor? Like, you're going to have a, a Garmin and a Humminbird spot. I mean, there's a lot up in there, but 
uh, you know, the whole time I'm, I'm just thinking it's going to, it's going to level out at some point. Somebody's going to have something slightly better than something, somebody else's stuff, but it'll all kind of balance out in the end. So I'm glad to see they're at least coming to the table with something. Yeah. What's up, Will? Yeah. It'll make a lot of people's lives easier. Um, but I also think, I think, I think they're officially going to announce the Rapala DT8 this week, which I'm kind of excited mm-hmm. about. Uh, yeah. I leaked it on his Instagram. I don't think he was supposed to, but I'm pretty sure that's coming out. I don't think we have to wait till ICAST. Um, I don't know. Is there any other products you've heard about? I have not really been like super in the loop, but it would be interesting to see what comes out. I, you know, that's that's more than I've than I've heard of as far as products go. But I, I've always enjoyed going to Classic. Are, are you gonna? I don't guess you're gonna get a chance to even come down there, are you? No. Are you make? Are you gonna be in there or hanging out? Yeah. Man. We're heading out in on Friday. Uh, we're going to be, uh, let's see, we're going to the Classic on, on Saturday, and then I'm going to be on the water with Kevin and another buddy of mine um, nice. and uh, on Sunday for about half the day before we go back to the Classic. So nice. I, I love the Classic. I went to one at, uh, at Grand Lake, which is about five and a half hours from, from Dallas, and uh, it was amazing. It's an unbelievable experience, and I'd recommend to anybody that can get out there and, and go to it. Yeah, I have this fantasy that I'm going to make it there by fishing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not laughing at you because I don't think it's you're capable of it. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, it's not a fantasy. You can do it, man. Let's go. <clears throat> I was ahead of all three guys that made it <laughs> the first day. Oh, really? <laughs> I just didn't back it up on day two. You're going through the nation, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. Man, that's a that's a tough road. That's a real tough road. I guess it's not as tough as fishing against 300 people in in the opens, but maybe it is. Yeah, I think you could argue. If, yeah, there's different arguments both ways for that. Um, well, they pretty much almost do now, right? They got a, the eight comes out. They got a six, an eight, a ten, a fourteen, a sixteen, and a twenty. So that mid depth has always been kind of a mystery for everybody. So yeah, so I it think, sounds like uh, this. Oh, go ahead. <clears throat> I was just saying, I think the eight, the eight is going to be a great addition to it. And those yeah. baits just, they flat out catch them. I'm excited so to see it. You might be seeing the class. You're going to get the body of a six that dives almost as deep as a 10 in that small profile. So I think that'll be a, a fish catcher for sure. <clears throat> and, you know, speaking of what, I mean, the, the DT6 was a large part of uh, Randy Howell's classic win, right? <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The way that, the way that, uh, Ray Roberts fishes that I, I really don't think you're going to get any deeper than that. We don't, I'm not trying to get ahead, but you might see some of those baits really make a, a pretty big statement. Uh, it would not surprise sure. me. So maybe I give it up to the chat here. Uh, do you guys want to start? Let's say we three three avenues we can take. We can just talk about general classic fanfare, why the classic is cool, why we should be exciting. Uh, two, we can get into how Koi thinks uh, this classic's going to set up, how it could be one, how we think Ray Roberts is going to fish, or three, we could talk in depth fantasy fishing. So let us know in the chat where you want to go with that, uh, and, and we'll and we'll start. We'll get we'll get to them all. Um, we might want to like put off how we'll fish until uh, potentially our special guest arrives, but uh, I don't know that we can bank on that either. So, yeah, I would say let's do that one next, at least second, because um, special guest has um, he has fished it recently, and mm-hmm. 
he's he's got a pretty good finger on the pulse of what's going on. I, I know a lot about the lake this time of year, but uh, he's got some some very recent knowledge and, and and he's unbelievably connected and I can't wait to hear what he's gonna to bring to the table assuming he can make it. But uh, let's start somewhere else and we'll get to that in a minute. Cool. Let's like like let's maybe dwell now you've how many classics have you been to? I've just it's gonna be my second classic. Okay. And so the other one was, which one? Which was the other one? It was Grand, Grand Lake twenty uh sixteen, I think. No, twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. So that was uh, Cliff Pace. That was uh, uh, Edwin Evers. Edwin Evers. Okay, that's when he had that crazy big bag to to to, was, to, to lap yeah, Jason. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so it was unbelievable. I've never heard a bunch of bass fishermen get more excited than in that room whenever Dave Mercer said twenty nine pounds eleven ounces or whatever whatever it was. Sure. It was insane. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Eleven. No, it was 29. It was big. And actually, I started that morning following him on the water, and uh, I, I left him about 30 minutes into it, right before he caught his first big one. And I went mm-hmm. over and watched Bill Lowen, and uh, Bill Lowen caught a bunch of little ones, which was it was fun to watch him flip a tube. But um, it was I, I should have stayed with the old Edwin Evers. All right. <clears throat> so what do you think makes, like, go into more depth, why you think, the classic is such a great event to attend. And uh, what did you experience in your first classic? And what are you hoping to see in this classic? Um, yeah. So last time um, I was more or less by myself. I had my, my in-laws with me, but they don't, you know, they, they enjoy bass fishing, but they're not really into it. But I, I did some walking around, talked to some pros. If you, if you are, I, I'm, um, if I'm ever going to fish, at that level, I've got to get over this, but I'm definitely, uh, you know, I've been watching these guys. This was before MLF and all that stuff. I mean, these are the names that I grew up watching and, uh, they're all in the, I mean, they were in their prime at that point, a lot of these guys. And so I was, I was pretty, um, starstruck talking to these guys. Sure. It was, it was kind of hard, but it, it actually let me realize that they're just, they're normal guys. So I got to talk to, uh, I got to talk to actually Scott Martin, who was an FLW tour guy. He was not a bass guy, but I got to talk to him for a while. Talk to um, Hank Cherry. Uh, talk to uh, let's see who else. Talk to uh, Brandon Palina. Talk to Jason Williamson, Ishman Rowe. I mean, a bunch of guys that I I have only ever seen on TV. It was really an amazing opportunity to pick their brains and to get to know um, just kind of how they how they process information. Uh, but then on top of that, I, I went and I, I got a picture with uh, Tommy Sanders and Mark Zona, which was awesome. Mark Zona is a lot bigger than he looks, and Tommy Sanders is a lot smaller than he looks. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Um, but but seeing all the baits and there's big tanks and there's expos and there's talks, it was a it was a ton of information. It was a lot of fun, and the weigh-ins are they're amazing. Outside of the dog, all the dog jumping things, I, I didn't get behind that. Uh, but they have not that's, given that up. That's the bummer is like, if you want to get a decent seat, you got to show up and watch all the, all that stuff. <laughs> Cause if you try to come in just for the way in, you're going to probably not get in or be standing room only somewhere. Yep. Yep. The dog's jumping is, uh, that's the highlight. And like the Hank Parker's cast for $10,000 and like all that yep. stuff that happens before. Never seen anybody make it. 
Yeah, and I think pretty good sales, right? Like, I think if you're shopping uh, for deals, rods, reels, tackle, like, they tend to really, I mean, I've never been, but talking to guys that I know that pretty much go to Classic every year, they like, there's always some crazy good deals on something at the Classic Expo. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's tons and tons of booths. And so you, you just got to take your time and go through it. I, when I was there, it was the BOK Convention Center, which is enormous. Mm-hmm. And there were just, there was room after room after room of just nothing but tables and booths. And you can't see it all. So go in with a plan, see, you know, go to, there's a lot of guys that didn't make the classic, go and, you know, tell them uh, you're grateful for them being there and, and, uh, and pick their brains for a little bit. And then anybody who generally, if you don't make day three, then a lot of those guys are going to come in and, and you'll get to, to walk around with them, you know, go and go and say hi to them, but you, you're not gonna be able to see it all. So yeah. here's, um, here's what not to do. Don't go up to Gerald Swindle and ask him, how did he do today? Or why are you not fishing? Or <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually, um, I, I made a, I made an error one time uh, talking to David Walker. I saw him at Gunnersville. I was actually fishing a tournament and mm-hmm. I, uh, I walked up to him and uh, uh, all I could think to say was, Hey, con- con- congratulations on making the classic. And uh, yet he didn't make it that year. Yeah. So uh, that was sort of a, a shot in the old well, undercarriage. If it makes you feel any better, uh, Ken Duke, who's the, uh, the know all be all bass fishing, uh, asked Lee Livesey on live Bass Talk Live what he thought on fishing the classic, even though he didn't qualify this year. So, uh, that was painful because that's home lake. That's, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he's from Texas, like, so, like, so, but yeah, he asked him on Bass Talk Live basically, you know, how are you going to approach the classic? And he's like, uh, I'm going to be working the expo. <laughs> oh, no, that's a shot, man. God, that's painful. I'm sure he took it in stride, but he was hurting inside. Yeah. So, well, I mean, to some degree, it's a little bit of an honor to think, you know, you think highly enough somebody that they're like, oh, well, he's a good enough fisherman. He made it for sure, right? Like, so, I mean, it could be yeah. kind of a, a compliment in some regards, but. Yeah, he, he wants nothing more than to be there. So, yeah. uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm decent friends with Lee, and, and it was a. Uh, it was a hard. It was a hard deal for him not to not to get to this one, but uh, it's going to fire him up for the next one. I'm I'm sure he'll be a factor at, at Hartwell next year. And he's there because he won Bass Fest or Texas Fest or whatever they call it, and that one does come with an automatic berth. I don't Lake think Fork they ran, doesn't it? I don't, I don't think Lake Fork was Texas Fest this year. I think it was just Lake Fork because I actually wrote that in my article and Kyle edited it out. Oh, maybe. Um, I okay. thought it was Texas West, but I don't think it was. So, hmm. uh, so I don't know I don't that know. he's off, but, but he's fighting for it. Sure. So, so would you, what would you say if you're within X amount of hours and you're a bass fanatic, you should go there this weekend? What's what your what's what do you say is the no brainer drive to check out the convention and the the one day away in at least. Yeah, it's probably. I mean, if you're in the continental U.S., I would I would try to go. It's it's really that cool, man. If you're a diehard fishing fan, it's hard it's hard to justify. You know, there's any, if there's any distance to keep you from going, it's it's hard to put a number to that. I mean, maybe if you live in California, because it's dead center of the country right now. So, but well, you've only been to two, so you skipped the last. Yeah. 
five. So that doesn't seem like a good rationale. I'll just go ahead and call well, you out. That's I mean, while that's fair, you know, there's certain things obviously that can keep you from from going outside of of uh, your you know your distance to. The that's what I'm saying. Like, so if you're like four or five hours away, like you can do a day trip, and it's probably worth it, right? Like, whereas like you couldn't make it to Gunnersville last year and just check it out for a day. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, was- I think if you're if you're three, four, five hours from Dallas, I think it's worth making the trip for a day, day and a half and experiencing it like obviously yeah. it's worth it going from anywhere but like i think if you're that close uh do yourself a favor and and, and make it a priority absolutely yeah i actually drove um I, i'm i'm i mean i'm a i'm a fan i'm a huge fan and i'm gonna own that i'm a bass fan forever um and uh, i drove down for lelipsy's way in from I, i'm in oklahoma right now working on a project nice. Um, and I drove to the weigh-in and made it right before everybody started weighing in to watch him win on Lake Fork. And that was, was a, about a three-hour drive from here. Which is probably like literally the worst way in to go to because you actually knew the results. <laughs> and he only brought That's in true. one fish. <laughs> but like you want, he was a buddy, so you wanted to be there and like be part of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Got to shake his hand, congratulate him after we were all done. And, and uh, even those are great to go to because a bunch of those guys stick around. Brandon Pownick's mm-hmm. always there. I mean, they were walking around chatting with everybody. So are you hearing a ding every time that comes on? Yes. I'm trying to figure out how to get that to shut off. I, I thought I figured it out, but I don't. I thought that was like every time I got a new subscriber or something like that. Oh, well, maybe, <laughs> yeah. That's what we can tell everybody. Nice. So, I'll yeah, John, out. good question. Do the MLF guys go to the Classic or even work it? I think it's a really case-by-case basis. So some guys have sponsor obligations, and I think you will see some of them there. There are definitely a contingency of them that probably wouldn't be caught dead there. Um, <laughs> and then there's a bunch of them in the middle. And they're – well, they just finished today on Chickamauga, right? So – um. Yeah, it'll be yeah, interesting to see who shows uh, up, and who doesn't. I think there'll be plenty of talk and scuttlebutt and, and social media about who they who gets seen and who doesn't get seen at the classic this year. Uh, so, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Certainly, um, there there's you know I don't we don't need to get too deep into all that, but it's uh it's it's definitely there's some. I know there's some animosity out there between some guys. For sure. We'll just leave it at I'm pretty sure you won't see Kevin. You won't see Boyd Duckett. You won't see Gary Klein. There's probably a few others. But uh, um, but I, I would expect Ike will be there. I mean, he's not an MLF, active MLF guy, but I would imagine he's going to be at the Classic. I think he guys like that are just – they're just uh, fans of the sport. And, well, and they just uh, – you know, he's going to be there working with Plano or, uh, you know, not Plano uh, – <laughs> Flambo and and Berkeley and Rapla and uh, you know Basscat yep. and he'll be you know he'll have his one hour sessions in all those booths making the rounds and that's just part of what he does. So absolutely, yeah. I think I figured out the ding. We should be good now. We'll see if it dings again. Then I'll just wear a cone of shame. I don't know. It's not too bad. Um, yeah, I think, and it really depends. And I think, you know, some of them you may, you know, I, you know, there's there's a few of them that are fishing the opens, and I would imagine they're going to probably make their way to the Bassmaster Classic to to work. Um, and there'll be some others that have no interest. So it'll it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. So you're going to go down. You're driving down Friday, so you'll basically be in the car watching bass live on the way down, or are you going to get up super early and be there like for? 
for takeoff. Uh, now I'm going to have the kids and my family with me, so can't make it to take off uh, on Saturday. But we're going to try to do that for Sunday for sure. Okay. Uh, it's a it, man. I'm it's it's one of those things. I have four boys, and they're and they're nine and, and under. And there's nothing more special than to take a kid out there to the classics. They can see all the energy behind this sport. Mm-hmm. I've talked to people that don't even know that there's professional bass fishing, which is it's really a shame. Um, and there's, there's just, there's so much to this sport, um, that it just, it's, it's such a, if you're, if you're outside of this, this bubble, you know, I'll just say how it is. There's a bubble around our sport. That's not very big. We're not an NFL. We're not a PGA, Mm -hmm. um, but there's so much energy whenever you get in these places. It's such a, a culture that's, and when you put it all together, it's it's so energetic. It's really incredible. So I'm bringing my boys. I'm I'm pumped up, and uh, we're going to spend every second we can out there. Yeah, awesome. Do yeah, I look like Vincent? Yo, who's and you're not the. You didn't throw that one up there. You may not want to. Um, oh well, I, I hope I'm going to. Well, do you do you, do you have both your ears? Doesn't need the one that cut his ear off? I, I do have both my ears. So I think far. Van Gogh is a famous uh, painter who actually cut one of his own ears off. I, I'm not like up on my, but I believe that's Van Gogh. I actually did one of those uh, one of those face apps a long time ago. Who do you look like? And uh, it actually there was a statue. There was some statue, and it could have been Van Gogh. I'll have to go back and find that that picture because. Uh, um, it, it, it was ironic. That'd be crazy. I've never been told I look like Van Gogh, but I'll take it. He's famous. There's only one thing that we can really do at this point. Yeah. Yep. Do a Talk Google about- image search of Vincent Van Gogh. Oh. Oh. oh, gosh. Here we go. Well, let's try it. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. I mean, I, I can kind of see it. I had a lot more beard until uh, until about two weeks ago. I'm pretty oh, sure Lord. that's the uh, the bandage over the ear. I mean, uh, I can kind of see it. I, I do have a red beard. I don't do have, have red hat? hair. Do you have a hat like that? Uh, I have no pseudo cowboy hats. <laughs> um, but uh, right. you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he was popular with the ladies, so I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Nice. All right, there we go. All right, let's uh, let's got a few more questions that came in here. Do do do. Seen a couple about Cody Bird, but yeah, we'll get to those. Again. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, yeah, that is true. Dobbins is not going to the expo. Short of that story is. Gary felt he didn't get a great booth position one time in a bad place at a different expo. Didn't feel that Bass wanted to work with him on it. So his stance was he didn't want to be part of the expo. So I'm sure <laughs> it was probably, uh, I don't know. I don't know. There was a difference of opinion, I guess. So, and uh, yeah, they their place is in Sulphur Springs, I think. So if you're down that way, you're in a Dobbins fan, swing by the shop. They're pretty accommodating. So. Yeah, I've actually um, talked to the whole Dobbins crew um, a handful of times, and they're good, good folks. Uh, we actually yeah. we were going to to work on getting some Dobbins rods and some high schoolers' hands in the Dallas area, and they were 
very, very accommodating to that. So it's a Gary is a good dude. And I'm sure there's they'll have dealers there that will be selling their rods. So oh yeah. So I mean, we don't need to get into like Ray Robertson detail, but do you do you do you know does Cody Bird fish there much? Has he fished Ray Bob much? Is he Cody Bird is not I don't think that he would call himself um, necessarily a Ray Bob expert. Um, he he is uh, Grand Lake is like that's his home that's his home waters. I mean that's his jam. He does live around the Metroplex. He's fished Fork a bunch. He's fished. Uh, I mean he's fished a lot of the local lakes. He's I'm sure he's fished Ray Roberts, but he doesn't fish any uh, local tournament trails. He's an opens guy. Sure. So sure. they don't the the, op- the opens don't ever come to these lakes so right. um as far as him being a local or being like a shoe in to do well on this lake i don't know that i would count him out um but i would say that he he he's, he doesn't have a ton of experience there he has experience in these lakes around here which we can get into how they fish in a minute but uh, they they're a beast of their own certainly yeah let's maybe uh should we roll into fantasy fishing a little bit <clears throat> um, yeah we can do that because I definitely put Cody on my drain the lake roster. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. That was a, seemed like a really good value for a person that's only going to fish one uh, tournament and uh, use him on drain the lake. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, Are we going to start with drain the lake and fancy first? Yeah, I'm going to pull up. <clears throat> so people may not like this. Is, might be a little taboo here, but I'm going to I'm going to share the pundits group the private group standings why not so i'm on top this is a little so, sneak so. peek <laughs> Coy's like whatever dude yeah go ahead show him i don't care uh, <laughs> let me zoom in on that a little bit there we go uh so this is our there's six of us in here but there's only what four of us that actually write an article right four pundits yeah yeah so i'm the worst of the people that actually write articles <laughs> um <clears throat> So Coy's at top, Kyle Jesse, who's our uh, what, do, what do we call him? We call him the uh, commissioner, right? Uh, yep. And then uh, Pete Robbins, who's been a guest on the show in the past. Uh, Coy's been a guest in the past. I, I'm have to have Kyle on. I guess that that's I need to have him on. Um, Did you ever have old GA on? I was going to, but uh, yeah, he's kind of he's busy doing other stuff now. But uh, yeah, I should have him on just in general, not necessarily to talk fancy fishing, but I think he'd be a good guest in general. Um, oh, yeah. And then Ronnie, who was trash talking the heck out of me up until he fell behind and I beat him three weeks in a row. So, yeah, I think he's, you know, he, he's got he's got a safe face. He's doing all his. Uh, yeah, he's like, oh, knowledge. I'm so busy. I got all this and that and this. And yeah. yeah. You know, he's got too much going on. So he he definitely uh, and I think that he. You know, he'll say his picks on a live television on Fox Sports, and so when you do that, and then you and then you revert to something else, that you'll get called out for that. I would I would imagine, but yeah. Anytime I can beat Ronnie, I'm just I'm giddy. So all right. So why don't uh, why don't you tell us about your drain the lake? So definitely, uh, Sycamore. I see your question. We're going to get to that next. We're going to talk fancy fishing, and then we're going to do deep dive on. Uh, how we think Ray Roberts is going to be caught and presentations and type of water and depths and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to we'll talk fantasy fishing. We'll probably bleed into some of that, but then we'll go deep dive 
and uh, hopefully Kevin will be able to join by then. <clears throat> um, so what was your strategy for drain the, I mean, over, maybe overall, like what did you do when the game was announced? Did you like map out all, I forget how many we had six or seven events left at that time. Like what, what was your approach to drain the lake once you read the rules and the game? Man, I, I started with looking at all those because it, it, you can only use them one time. So I made sure to pick guys in, in certain places that I, I felt were shoe-ins to get in. And some there's only so many of those that fit that category, so you got to get outside the box a little bit. But um, I was I smashed the first one. I was in 99.7 percentile or something like that. Uh, did really, really well. And, uh, and now I'm in the 88th percentile. So the last two or three events or how many we've had since the first one, I've done really, really bad. So um, I've, right now I've saved pretty much all of my smallmouth guys mm-hmm. for the next two events. And really the next one will be a mix of smallmouth and, and largemouth um, Champlain, but it's Champlain, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yep. Champlain, um, then SLR. Yep. That one, that one will have some of both. And uh, I'm saving a lot of those, a lot of those Canadians, and I have not used Seth Fighter yet, which might come back to bite me. Um, you know, I, I'm even saving Austin Felix, and mm-hmm. I mean, some of those guys are going to be on my roster come the next two tournaments. Brandon yeah. Palnick, even Chris Saldane, could have picked him ten times over, but um, saving him. So yeah, I think I used. This, I think I actually I think I picked Zaldane for this tournament. He's close, and I know that he has uh, before the off limits period, which I, I assume was, I mean, before they announced it, I, I talked to several pros, and they were already think they knew it was going to be in Texas. Something had leaked out, and so they were fishing all the lakes that made sense. Which there's really only two in the Metroplex. It's Ray Roberts, and there's Possum Kingdom, which is west of the Metroplex. And uh, Possum Kingdom Not is Lew- pretty small. Not Lewis. No. <laughs> Believe it or not, you guys picked. Uh, I mean, you all saw Louisville at its worst. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Though, like size wise, that would have could have been geogra- geographically could have been a good location, right? Thought about that, um, and you know, I know a couple people who were kind of in on the planning in the Dallas area because it's a big show, uh, and those guys were telling me that Louisville was just not. It, it didn't have the facilities to, to launch the, the giant. I mean, they do the opens, um, but. Uh, but not with the know. fanfare that they wanted, I guess. <clears throat> Maybe so. Ray Roberts is, uh, is very rural. Um, there's not a whole lot up there. So we're launching at Isle de Bois, which is a state park. It's a huge, there's a, just a massive parking lot. It can host a ton of people, and it's right on the water. It'll mm-hmm. be perfect. So, uh, but anyway, it, it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's you know, I, I forget the question. What was the question? Yeah, we were what talking about draining the lake, and I I, told, oh, yeah. I mentioned I picked Zeldane, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen here for a second again, because uh, I I haven't shown this, but I actually built a spreadsheet when the game came out nice. and listed all the anglers out. And just kind of did some quick like filters, and then I went down and I like picked two I was going to pick for each one of them, make sure I had my eight, um, and did that. So I mean, I don't know if you did that to that detail, but that's generally what I did to see who I was going to save and when I was going to use them. And I've made very few uh, tweaks 
I made a few, but for the most part, I've pretty much stuck to how I laid it out from the beginning. Nice. I wasn't quite that detailed, but uh, yeah, I, I, I really want, I, I wanted to get this done a little quicker. I actually was hoping to build like a template in a Google sheet that I could like give away to my viewers, wow. but I just didn't have time to like pull it together. I thought that would be like a cool giveaway for people that wanted to sign up through my channel or join my group. So that would have been awesome. Yeah. I wasn't quite that detailed. Um, I just, I'm in the middle of this project didn't have a ton of time. I'm Ronnie Morin right now, so we'll move on. But, um, I, uh, I had it in my mind where I wanted people to go and I knew that I wanted to save my smallmouth guys for later in the season, but it, there was, a, there were a couple of things that just absolutely whooped me. Um, Neely Henry was the big one where there were so many guys that should have done really well and I've burned them now and I'm really sad about it. Um, uh, so as like Scott Canterbury, um, should, should have, uh, I should have saved him, but I didn't. And he bombed Neely Henry. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't use him there, though, I mean, I guess if you didn't use him there, you would have used him on what? Um, Gunnersville? Yeah. yeah. And Where he wasn't he, great uh, on Gunnersville either. I mean, he was better, but. Um, he he was, uh, he cashed a check. I mean, he was third yeah, day. It was he much better, but it wasn't like a top 20, I don't think, yeah. was it? <clears throat> no, but it would have got me a heck of a lot more points than, uh, yeah. than he did on the other. So it would have been so much better i was i was uh i was below the average fantasy fishing score in during the lake for that lake for that uh tournament so uh, that's bad because you've got eight guys instead of five so you had 1551 well it makes you feel any better i only had 1338 oh really on neely henry wow yeah no wait sorry you had 12 sorry never mind it's not sorted by uh you had twelve oh four. I had thirteen thirty eight. I got. I was looking at. Yeah. That. Actually, yep. uh, Jim Sexton is uh, doing quite well at uh, drain the lake. Yes, he is. Yeah, but to go from twenty one eighty two on fork to twelve oh four, I guess that was Gunnersville is where I got my teeth kicked in. I thought it was Neely Henry, but it was Gunnersville. Who did I have? Am I thinking wrong? I forget you can go back and look at this stuff. Yeah. It's not even showing me. I guess I got to go click on all these buttons. Steve Kennedy, he killed me. Uh, Chad Morgan Taylor, how in the world did he and John Cox? Of course, I'll tell you what, a lot of people talking about fantasy fishing. Um, John Cox showed up with no is, practice. Uh, he showed up with the Bassmaster Classic. I don't know how you do that. Um, but he did, and uh, a lot of people are going to pick him, and he's either going to win the thing or he's going to come in dead last. That guy fishes. I, I can't ever pick him on fantasy fishing ever again because he he just uh, I don't know. It's he can't. He's so spread thin. But Derek Hudnall hurt me on that one. Frank Talley, Mark Menendez. Mark Menendez actually started off pretty strong in that one, the last tournament in Gunnersville. And, Sure. <clears throat> His day two was really good, and then he fell off on day three. Or, uh, yeah, I'm looking at Neely Henry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, who do you got on the classic? Who do your sneaky picks for the classic? Sneaky picks for Rain the classic. Lake. Let me go back to it. Hold on, just a second. So, obviously, I'm I'm picking Cody Bird. Um, he 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 is easily one of the most practiced. North Texas fishermen that you're going to see. 
Uh, he he knows rocky impoundments and he likes them to be a little bit off color. That's why he's so good on grand. Dude loves a he loves to throw a spinner bait, a chatter bait, crank bait, square um, bill. all those things. Square bill, yeah, those things play right into his wheelhouse, and uh, he's he's a solid pick there. Um, so and and fifty two percent. I don't know how they do the percentages because it doesn't equal out to a hundred percent. Obviously, whenever you're looking at the ownership, I think those but, percentages carry over from the other buckets. I'm guessing. I would imagine so. Um, but yeah, he's he's a great pick no matter what the ownership percentage is. So, uh, but he's bucket A. So there's a lot of other stakes over in bucket A that uh, he's up against. But Luke Palmer, Luke Palmer is man. I was this close to picking him on Gunnersville, and he did really well there. He is done. I, I used so, <clears throat> I used Palmer up on Gunnersville. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good move. I have not uh, followed him close enough. Um, he's just had a absolutely stellar year the last several tournaments he's been so close made a lot of top end finishes some top tens if i remember right but he's he's uh i just think he's on a tear right now he'll he'll do really well he's basically todd faircloth without a win yet yeah well todd faircloth didn't get his first win till mississippi river maybe 2012 or 13 and that was a long time after he started i mean it was He's been fishing for a long time without a win prior to that. Uh, Pat Schlopper is hmm, somebody I've got in here. Truth be told, I just it's more because I think he's a, just a good fisherman. I just think he's a really stout fisherman. And I couldn't find anybody else um, to, to really fill that spot that I didn't want to use elsewhere. I could have picked Hank Cherry. I really thought about Hank Cherry hard. Um, but, uh, but I think Pat Schlopper is – I don't know, he's a nation guy. And he might get a little spun out in the classic, but I, he may be just a Cinderella story. I just want him to. I want him to do well. He's had a rough start, but um, he beat me twice last year. If that makes you feel better, yeah. But he beat me, he beat yeah, me at the regional well, and the nationals, so <laughs> that means he's really, really good. Then, so um, no, he's fantastic. Um, Drew Cook. Drew Cook's another one of those guys that's sort of sneaky. He's not really sneaky good, but he's he's had some. Everybody knows he's good. He's had a couple right. rough events this year, but he is just a, a really, really good shallow water fisherman, and uh, and he's super even keeled. And I expect him to to show up. Um, if you haven't noticed, looking at my looking at my list here, I've got a lot of shallow water guys, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Bill sure. Lowen is another one of those guys. Shallow water, he's okay with four, five, six bites in a day. And the ones that he gets are going to be um, are going to be uh, big bites, I would imagine. Nice. Uh, Hunter Shryock, another shallow water guy. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been rooting for Hunter Shryock for a long time, and he's actually had a pretty good year, surprisingly good year. Last year was really terrible for him, but he's had a he's had an above average year um, for his uh, for his career so far with the Elite Series. And uh, Patrick Walters. I've got him in there at the moment. He's he's the only one that I might swap out because I might want to save him for St. Lawrence River. And there, I know, I know. But last time there at St. Lawrence River, um, it was a it was a live scope tournament, and they were just out there scanning the flats out there in the middle of the river, looking for big smallmouth swimming around. And that's something obviously he's that really was good that at. was more on the lake, and the lake's not in play this year. 
Oh, well, then I might, well, I've got him here, so I can't use him later. But uh, if I if I leave him in, I don't guess I realize that. Well done for being up to speed on uh, the the, uh, the lake limits there. Um, last last one's Brandon Lester, and right. I really like Brandon Lester for his shallow water game. Actually, uh, not not deep water stuff, which. Really, he's a smallmouth guy. He loves to, to fish deep, drop shot, and all that stuff, which I kind of have in, him in there as a, as a switch hitter. I mean, he might go up shallow and throw a crankbait, and he might go out and throw a drop shot in 37 foot of water. And I think you could catch fish doing both things. Nice. So there's, there's my Drain Lake lineup. I will say that there's a lot of guys that I didn't pick that I wish that I could have picked for this one. Sure. Uh, because I already picked them. Yeah, so I went Bird. That's a same. I got Walters. I think, uh, I guess the other place I would have used Walters would have been Fork, and that was actually a good place not to use him. Uh, he actually did, yeah. I would say, underperformed. I mean, it wasn't a bad tournament, but he definitely underperformed. Um, Stetson Blaylock, I feel like he's a good offshore angler, uh, post bond angler. Keith Carson, uh, I kind of got a sneaky feeling that he's just a natural, and I think with the water being up, there might be something for him to find there. Uh, Clark Wentland, just a Texas guy. <clears throat> Same reason I picked Cody Bird mostly. Um, I don't know. Did you use Clark Wentland somewhere else in the season? Yeah. Yeah, I did um, a couple okay. tournaments ago, and he did really yeah. bad. I put Jake Whitaker in because I just feel like he's kind of a safe pick. I feel like he's going to he's gonna catch 10 fish, right? So I feel like he's going to he's gonna get me some points. I'd, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe not. Uh, Zaldane. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah. Oh, Real quick on Whitaker, he's going to fish the marina if they let him fish the marina, which I can't imagine they won't because they're not launching out of there. The marina is um, – it holds some monster fish. And it's there's only one. There's not that many slips. But there's uh, – I, I bet there's 30 or 40 bass in there that, that are four pounds or better that nice. you could catch in a given It'll be like a, a repeat of last year's Chickamauga, you think? Could be. He likes docks, so he slips. Sounds like my kind of guy. Um, Zaldane, we talked about for obvious reasons. And then uh, I got Brian New on both my rosters, actually. Um, even with the broken hand or sprained hand or whatever it is, he's been out fishing. He's caught a few fish on practice. Won his first ever Bassmaster Open. Won his first ever Elite Series. This is his first classic. Yeah, yeah. He was on my roster until yesterday, and then he came off. Um, so get injury or other reasons? The injury was a big deal, but he's human. So this is his first classic. Classic's a sure. big deal, and and I can I can see him uh, spinning a little bit, but but he is a John Cox. I don't know. He's a Brian Thrift protege, yep. and the run and gun, hit one spot, catch one fish. That that. That could play. You, you've really got two options on Ray Roberts, and we'll get into that in a minute. But I, I think the running gun thing might play. It depends on how spread out the fish get. And he kind of did that on Louisville, not saying there's the same fishery, but there's got to be a few parallels between uh, those oh, lakes. Um, so, Yeah, there are. There's a ton more timber in Ray Roberts. That's about the biggest yeah, difference. for sure. All right. So I just got a text. Uh, suggesting that our, uh, our our special guest is getting close to his hotel. So why don't we talk about your buckets? I'm much more comfortable with those. Honestly, I'm 
this this tournament is really hard for me for for uh, drain the lake because I used so many guys. So I had to kind of pull from, uh, I had to pull from guys I had left and uh, guys that I didn't want to burn on smallmouth or didn't use on smallmouth fisheries. So I, I'm a lot more confident on on my fantasy fishing buckets. So yeah. So who who did you pull? Or I guess Leah wants to know who did you put in for new. Brian News in bucket D, right? Yeah. So well, I well, swapped. Okay. You what? Oh, I didn't know if it was to drain the lake or in the regular bucket that you swapped them. Go ahead. Oh, I swapped him out on uh, on fantasy buckets. I didn't have him for. So bucket for, D, uh, you took out new and put in. I put in Matt Airy, and uh, that's okay. kind of a kind of a gut pick, but he loves like, fishing. They're shallow. like buddies. So you yanked one buddy for another buddy. Yep. Well, he he is a guy that's going to hunker down in a spot and fish every single thing in it. Mm-hmm. He's going to catch every fish. And again, not to dig too much into Ray Roberts yet, but there's just not that many fish there. But if you catch if you catch one, you've got a really good shot at being four, five, six, seven pounds. I mean, there's just some massive bass in that lake. So uh, I would not be surprised at all if he if he is able to put that shallow water thing together. Um, and it's hard to talk about these buckets without going too much into, uh, into what's going on the lake, but Brandon Palinuk, let's jump back to, to bucket a, I, I cannot pick anybody, but Brandon Palinuk in this bucket. There's, there's a few guys that were kind of on the edge and one guy in particular that I cannot believe is at two and a half percent, um, at the moment, but Brandon Palinuk is that guy that's going to go fish some top water, He's going to fish some mid-depth, and he's going to fish some offshore stuff. And actually, he did an interview saying he spent most of his practice offshore, which if he can get five bites offshore, he could have a 35-pound bag one day. I mean, there's sure. just there's areas out there that hold just four or five fish, and they're all massive. And he'll he'll just have to – that'll be one day. He won't be able to do that more, more than one day. But uh, – but but uh, if he can put that together, he might also come dead last because he'll spend all yeah. his time offshore. It's, I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, There's a couple things. Like I agree on Polnick. This just feels like that win he had on Rayburn and Texas Fest in like 2016. Yeah. Like, um, <clears throat> but I think it's interesting that uh, Cody Bird is so low. That's who probably who you're talking about, right? I don't know. Um, I think it's interesting that Fighter's so high. Obviously, he's fishing great this year, but I don't feel like this lines up. I mean, I, I think he's going to have a good tournament, but I just don't feel like this is going to be his first win. <clears throat> I could be wrong. I'd love to see it. It would be awesome. But from a fantasy perspective, I don't, <clears throat> I'm surprised that almost 25% of the field is with, with fighter. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That, that, that is a really high ownership for a guy that is primarily a grass guy and a smallmouth guy. And this lake has some grass. Actually the, the, um, the hydrilla has come back pretty well in the last few years. It's not very thick in most places, mm-hmm. um, but it, it but it is there, and uh, it's and it doesn't come out very deep. Uh, it's a pretty clear, pretty clear lake generally, um, but it, it just doesn't fit Seth. I think most people are picking him for momentum's sake more than sure. anything. But there, there's, there's you can make a case for a bunch of these guys in here. But. I mean, Heron. I mean, he won almost this time of year, right? In, in a in a tournament at the was that Texas Fest as well at that time, uh, which yeah. was really the only uh, data point 
of the like, big tournament data we even have, right? And he won it. So it's interesting that he's at less than 3%. Exactly my point. Yeah, he, he won it uh, actually flipping grass when the grass was kind of first getting in there. Uh, it just it it used to have a lot of grass and then it all died off for about a decade and then it started coming back and he hit it right then and and he it was all shallow he fished shallow the whole tournament and uh, and it was the TTBC twenty I'll say twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen somewhere in that range is that what you said yeah but yeah he's uh, he's a good pick I'm surprised that. Uh, I, the only thing about Matt Heron is I think it's going to be more of a moving bait tournament than he's used to. I think that he flipped, and it's going to take some some moving baits to, to get it done this time. I'll, I'll go to bucket bucket B, and then bucket B, I actually swapped out to my backup pick in bucket B. I had I had Brandon Lester here okay. uh, for a while because I actually thought that it was going to be a deep water thing way back when I set my roster. And with the water coming up, it's just going to be in the bushes. So Steve Kennedy is who I made a switch to, and I'm doing that despite the fact that Pete Robbins is picking Steve Kennedy. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, I know. I, it's, it's, a, it's as good as a last place almost. Uh, but uh, Steve actually posted on, uh, on Facebook that, or Instagram or something that he had a, a decent practice which if you have any decent days on Ray Roberts, that's usually better than average. So if he's figured out a little something out there, swim jigging and swim baits are huge on that lake. That big old white swim jig just flailing around out there, just like on Condor. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, he's fishing those flooded sticks and stuff. I mean, that was some sort of, uh, you know, old flooded bushes. This is brand new flooded vegetation. I think there's going to be a ton of fish that, that flock the banks. So I fully expect him to do well in this one. And, and I'm willing to willing to go against my gut and pick him even, even those uh, Pete's picking him. But so Michael Minnan's got both of the injured players on his team, Buddy can't walk or stand. He's got, I forget what he did. He like <laughs> broke his ankle and uh new sprained his uh, wrist. So I don't bold strategy, Michael. <laughs> yeah, and with the the water coming up in the bushes, uh, gross makes me a little little nervous. But otherwise, decent looking lineup overall. <clears throat> He's going deep, guys, right there. I mean, Brian New is really a shallow water fisherman primarily, but he can fish offshore. Uh, but Buddy Gross, that guy, he just lives offshore. So, um, and, and it could, yeah. I mean, a lot of tournaments are one out there on a Carolina rig in thirty foot of water. So the it just depends on. Yeah, how how much the fluctuating water actually is going to change things, but so bucket C, we move to that. Uh, bucket I'm C, doing some admin I, here. That's fine. I actually made a change here too. I had Bill Lowen, and uh, I really like Bill Lowen, swim jig guy, flipping buzz bait. I think all those things are going to be good. But I went to my backup pick in my article and went Brandon Card. Uh, North Carolina guy, all of those guys are stout, and uh, I, I can just see him. I can. He was so close at Lake Fork, and I think this lake actually follows Lake Fork uh, in the timeline. It's usually about a month behind Lake Fork, two three weeks at least. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that Shad Spawn's probably not going to be a thing. It could be a little bit with the bushes, 
but uh, kind of with the, the water in the bushes. But I think a top water specifically is going to be a huge player. And if he could throw anything, he's um, who was the Zell Roland? He's the Zell Roland of our age. Um, he's he's just a top water guy. And I think it's going to dominate. I really do. It's going to be fun. So who? Sorry, I was distracted. Who is your pick? Brandon Card. Card. Went right. to Brandon Card. Nice. Yeah. So I went. Uh, I, uh, interesting. <sighs> I think I mentioned Card as my backup pick in my article. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah, I think you did. Um, yeah. So I went. So just catch up here. I went bought Paul next. So we agree there. In B, yeah. I went Ito. Uh, I hadn't really heard about the bushes thing, and I don't like changing my lineup. But I think there's there's two narratives here, right? Like it could definitely be one in the bushes, or it could really free up the offshore game for the few guys that maybe stay out there, don't have the pressure, and they're not dividing their fish. So I could see both happening, right? Whereas like you get a bunch of guys in the top ten that go to the bushes, but then you get one or two guys that stick deep and they're not splitting their fish with as much pressure. Um, and somebody like, you know, I think Taco Itu with what he did at Fork, you know, these are highly pressured fish being close to the the Dallas Metroplex, right? So I think he may have some tricks <clears throat> from Japan up his sleeve doing the swim in Nico rig or some other crazy thing that might get him some really big bites from fish that other people don't get bites from. Taku is a he's a bold choice. Um, I I just don't think they're gonna. He he doesn't like grass. So first right. of all, he he said in an interview he doesn't good, like. There's not grass. a lot of grass in this lake, so. You're right. Yes, yeah. so he's he's gonna probably be in that mid range. I would imagine, mm-hmm. uh, which generally speaking, when when water rises, the fish rise with it, and so those deep water fish might come up into that sort of mid range, that 10, 12, 15 foot range. And if he can lock into some sort of a pattern, I mean, nobody fishes deep trees out there. Almost nobody fishes deep trees. Um, you're either fishing and flipping shallow trees or you're fishing in the grass or you're way offshore. Not a whole lot of in-between. So those fish might actually be less pressured. I don't know. I'd be surprised. I would be surprised yeah. if the fish were. I'm at 80%. I, I can take risks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I went with Palmer. I think we talked about uh, both liking him this week. Um, so I mean, like I, I, I heard some people on BTL say that uh, Ray Roberts fishes more like an Oklahoma lake than it does a Texas lake. No, it depends. I, I mean, so, I, I kind of see that maybe like Fort Gibson type, um, but it does not fish like Grand Lake. It, right. it fishes. I would say it fishes similar to. No, it doesn't really fish like Texoma either, because Texoma um, has a lot of striper in it. It's a river lake. Um, really, Ray Roberts. The second you start pulling current and Ray Roberts, the fish shut down. So um, that's why. That's why I think the offshore thing is going to be going to be rough. But we'll okay. wait and see what. We'll wait and see what Kevin says here in a minute. Uh, Jordan, I didn't go to Bucket E real quick. I mean, my Bucket E, I, I did Jordan Wiggins, and I think Keith Carson's a good, a, a really good pick too. I see that on yours, but but I really feel like Jordan Wiggins. He's a shallow guy. He's going to be up shallow anyway, uh, and he's Jesse Wiggins' brother, and 
that yeah. guy's a, a hammer. So I, I think that uh, he's an Alabama boy too. So most of those guys are, are stout fishermen, but I, I really feel like he's good for, uh, you know, top 15 pretty yeah. confidently. He was definitely on my list. Somebody I thought about. Um, and like, interesting is like bucket E is not the bear cupboard than it normally is for fantasy fishing in the buckets. Like there's some, you know, Carson, uh, you know, Kerr's a pretty good angler. Uh, yep. I think Tommy William, where did he win Louisville? He won Louisville. Yeah. So there is, you know, you can make a case that, uh, that's an interesting pick. Look, Hughes, a pretty good fisherman. You know, we talked about Wiggins, uh, you got Schlopper on drain the lake. Uh, there's something about Japanese anglers in Texas that tend to go like PB and J. Uh, so uh, Masayuki could be good. I mean, I, I think, yeah, it's it's weird that you could make a case for over half the guys in bucket E. That's not a common thing. Like, <clears throat> But everybody's picking Shane LeHue. So uh, it's yeah. probably just because he's the best known angler in there. But For sure. Uh, and I think Shane LeHue's a good fisherman. He's a North Carolina boy. I wouldn't um, be shocked to see him do well. I mean, yeah, I don't think he's forty-two percent <laughs> good in this bucket, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I can see why people gravitated to him because he's, uh, you know, I would say a slightly above-average elite series angler in bucket E, and that looks pretty attractive, right? So, yeah, you know what's going to be really fun is if somebody figures out how to catch smallmouth out there. Uh, did you know there are smallmouth bass in so Ray Roberts? I had just heard that. And uh, I didn't think there like so. A, I think I literally just heard that today on a different podcast. And uh, but I don't, is there like a fishable population? It's it's hard to target them specifically, but they're they're in places where smallmouth. Well, I don't know. I've heard of people flipping them flipping them up in the sticks. So I know that you can come across them doing that. But um, but there's some monsters out there, and there's even. There's even uh, there's a more fun fish out there than that is the mean mouth. There are some huge mean mouth. They set the record, I think, a year and a half ago um, with, like, I want to say it was almost six pounds for a mean mouth in Texas, and that's a monster. Hmm. You could probably but these are probably up. more bonus fish and not something you're going to target. If, if you fish... If you fish, uh, what's weird is they hang out up north. I've never targeted them personally, but they hang out up north in the river on or in the uh, in the creeks on rocky points and offshore rock, and a lot of bass, a lot of largemouth hang out in those places too. So it, right. it's not going to surprise me at all to see somebody catch a, a four, maybe even a five pound smallmouth at some point in this tournament and bring it bring it in. Thanks, William. Appreciate it. <clears throat> <laughs> he's talking about a recent tourney vid that i did oh did you did you win yeah we won a little tuesday nighter nice those add up we got the yeah the, the cost of overhead on a tuesday nighter is pretty low so it's almost all profit when you're fishing local derbs so that's good so matt he okay. appears to have some local knowledge of uh ray bob here he says, the shad spawn seems over. Bluegill uh, has been swim jigs and working well in the bushes. Uh, only a few offshore spots seemingly firing north of Wolf, water in the high 70s, three feet high still. 
Yeah, I think right. it's – is it coming down? Because it was four foot high, almost four foot high yesterday. I don't know, Kevin. Oh. Is it coming down yet? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, What's up? What's up, buddy? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Can you all hear me again? We call a, a boomer. We call this a live stream. Live stream, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So you got here. You made it. Special guest, Kevin Bryant. Uh, and he's here because uh, he's the one that carries Koi in team tournaments uh, and is an expert on Ray Roberts. No. <laughs> I might be an expert on Ray Roberts, but it's an expert on what not to do typically. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm here to tell y'all who not to pick. No, <laughs> uh, I, I've been on that lake a lot. I've seen it go through a lot of different phases. Um, I will say though that uh, probably some of the most enjoyable days I've ever had on that lake um, was with Koi practicing for a big tournament when it was very similar conditions. Um, it fishes really well when it's high. Uh, something about those Florida bass, those Florida strain bass out there, they just uh, they love to get up in that new vegetation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, most of y'all probably heard. There's not a ton of uh, a ton of population as far as uh, fish go on that lake, um, but there's a lot of big ones, um, and they just seem to get kind of crazy when it gets high. So I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I've really been looking forward to this tournament. I've been hoping and praying that the uh, the water level stays high. Uh, because I think I, I think they're going to smash them. I think it's setting up well for them to smash them, and it's kind of a anybody's ball game at this point. Um, so pretty excited about it, really. So when you say smash, what do you think is going to take for a winning weight for three days? Over sixty pounds. Any chance they I, hit seventy? Really do. do what? Hit seventy? Any chance? Uh, I haven't looked at the weather forecast. What's it supposed to be like this weekend? It's pretty hot, right? It's warm, but not not really rainy. So they're not going to be adding any water to it, I don't think. Uh, I'll go look it up right now. Let's see. How about the wind? <laughs> the wind yeah, is always the key factor on that lake. <laughs> it is the Easily ruiner the of patterns on Ray Roberts. Yeah, it looks like great weather. Oh, man, partly cloudy. Uh, highs in the low 90s, 5% chance of rain, variable wind speeds. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. What it's going to do is that's going to really spread everything. It's already going to be spread out because of all the high water, uh, but it's really going to spread everybody out. And you're going to be you're going to be seeing people catch them all over that lake. I mean, there there is good water all over that lake, but when it's windy, man, it is just hard to fish a lot of that lake there's just no no high elevation around the lake to block the wind and it just seems like a south or a north wind just tumbles down that lake so um would i be shocked to see 70 no not at all i mean um but i also based on my personal experiences on ray roberts i wouldn't be shocked if it took less than 55 50 pounds to win. You just never know on that lake uh, because those fish are so finicky. But with stable weather, that helps. That helps a lot. So, sure. Yeah, so a little bit about that. Why why do you think there's not a ton of fish in Ray Roberts or 
doesn't seem like a place where you go and catch a huge number of fish. It used to be. Well, so way back in the day, it was it was actually um, it was supposed to be the Lake Fork of Texas. Uh, they built that thing to be a monster bass producing lake, and they flooded all the timber. And it was for a while. It had really really thick mats. It had tons of grass. I didn't get to fish it in the heyday. Kevin did, and uh, and it was a phenomenal lake back then. Frogs flipping, just a clear water grass lake. And, uh, and then they got, uh, I guess the water got really low and it killed all the grass and then they got, uh, zebra mussels in there. So it became a really clear lake and, um, and it, it just never got the grass going back until really in the last couple of years, last few years, there's been at least a better population of hydrilla and some other different milfoil and different grasses growing back there. So it, it may get better. We'll see. Yeah, so I, I actually recently just fished a tournament out there in, I guess it was April. Um, there's actually a lot of milfoil uh, <laughs> and coontail growing in that lake right now, a lot. Nice. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some guys fishing in it. Um, well, I guess it's it, it wasn't high when I fished it, so maybe not. But um, that was a good sign of things to come. Now we just need to pray that it doesn't get real low again because what happened is that we just went into a really bad drought back in i guess like the early 2010s um until the floods of 2015 or 16 i think it was i mean it just it rained every single measurable rain every day in june um but uh before that yeah the the, the lake was full of hydrilla i mean unbelievable amount of hydrilla like if you if you pulled up a map and you looked at what's called Wolf Island, you're going to see it a lot this weekend. It's kind of the the marker of like, okay, beyond this island from the south is the danger zone when it comes to the timber. Sure. And so there's a massive flat behind that island leading towards uh, in between or the point in between Lynn Creek and Wolf Creek, and that giant flat used to be a complete grass mat, a ten foot deep grass mat in the summertime like it was just it looked like you were driving into land basically i mean like like mats you see on gunnersville and stuff so sure. um it, it that when that went away it just really hurt i think the uh sur- survival rate of the the spawns i really do mm-hmm. um, white bass got in the lake um that typically hurts the lakes around here because because the lakes around here we're not they're not river systems they're not great ecosystems for growing like a massive population of fish like those tennessee river lakes are um, because we don't have that current so um i think i think that's a that's a huge part and, and koi hit it you know hit the nail on the head the grass going away hurt and I was really excited to see a lot of grass. Not hydrilla, unfortunately, but we'll take milfoil and coontail all day. It's better than nothing. So, sure. yeah. yeah, and really for it being such a big lake, it really fishes. There's there's only certain parts of the lake that traditionally are any good. If, if you're following a guy that's on the west arm of the lake, he's probably not going to win. I would, I would bet a lot of money that that guy's not going to win if he's fishing the west side of the lake. You need to fish the east side. You need to fish... The north side. I say that. I know. I know, Kevin. I, I, 
we've done we've done pretty good on the west side but it's one of those things that it's hit or miss you might they might be there in practice and then they're totally gone but you don't have the timber on the west side it's a lot more rocky um steep banks it, it's just not it's it doesn't have the habitat that the north that the northeast side of the lake has correct um but you add four feet of water and there's a lot That's of habitat true. on that west side. I don't know if you remember our practices that one, I mean, for that Bass Champs, uh, but we smashed some big ones on that west side in those flooded those flooded trees on those points over there. I really think you're going to see a lot of guys running a lot of main lake secondary points, and you're going to see what I witnessed out there was like five and six pounders wolf packing on those points. Like caught a six pounder on a whopper plopper, had – eight or 10, the same size or bigger, follow it to the boat. Mm. Like that's, it's setting up. I, I, if I remember right, this was the same time of year. That tournament was in June, I think. It was June, yeah. 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 And, it was, and it, eight, Ray Roberts is almost always in April, and it was the one year they moved to the summer. Yeah, and it was very similar situation, very similar winter where like winter kind of dragged on and and the lake was still kind of cool like it hadn't really gotten hot yet i mean i fished a tournament on lake lewisville just south of it this past sunday and the water temperature in the morning was 74 degrees like that's that's pretty pretty cool for you know beginning of june in in texas you know um and so um yeah i mean you could even there's there's a small small chance that there could even be some shad spawn stuff going on this weekend i mean that's what we were seeing when we had, uh, you know, these experiences on the lake in similar conditions. And I had some buddies that fished a tournament on Eagle Mountain, which isn't far from here, um, far from Ray Roberts. And uh, this this past weekend, and they said the shad were spawning from the dam all the way to the river. So oh, wow. there's still there's still some of that going on on lakes around here. It's it's just it's just been a weird year. It really has. I mean, you just fish are kind of everywhere. Um, and I think you can really just catch them however you want, but I just don't, I don't see, I don't see the offshore deal playing. Hmm. I just yeah, don't see so it. It hasn't, it hasn't materialized anywhere else I've fished around here. So I, I mean, you might see a few fish caught, but like maybe the first day and then I think it's going to go away. I'm, Rich, I could be completely were, wrong, but. You were saying you didn't want to believe that the, the deep water thing was not going to happen, but how do you, how do you feel now? Like after hearing a little bit about this? Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like I got a little bit of a mix on my team, my fans team anyways. Like I just want to see a good classic, honestly. Um, and uh, it sounds, I mean, like, so the, even this shallow game, but do you see, like, I would imagine the guy that wins this is somebody that's going to run different areas and new water, right? You're not going to go to the same hole three days in a row and probably blow this thing out, right? Like that's really unlikely based on what I'm hearing. I would say fishing points, you could rotate the same points every day and probably catch somebody. But you're going to maybe these two points, you catch them on day one, but it's these other three points on day two, right? Like you may, right? But it's not likely that you're going to go to the same two points every day and wreck them, right? Probably not, yeah. Probably they don't not. sit there moving around. Yeah. Probably not. Uh, yeah. I mean, that I definitely think that's going to be the case, just because the the lakes change so much. I mean, they're they're 
a lot of guys were saying that you can throw their practice out the window. I mean, the lake came up less than a foot since their pre-practice. It didn't come up like a ton. So I think yeah. a lot of those guys probably learned a lot. But they're going to have to keep following fish, especially if – I don't think they're going to just because Louisville's still so high. But if they start dropping water, I mean, those fish are really going to start pulling out to the edges of that stuff. And that's where I think your guys um, – like your Todd Odden's and your Steve Kennedy's, they're masters with swim jigs and bladed jigs. Uh, Bill Lowen, that's why I think you're going to see those guys really excel in this tournament because they can, all those guys can flip bushes with the best of them. But when that moving bait bite starts and those fish get suspended after the pressure, because they're going to feel the pressure, um, those are the guys that I think that can get those reactions, those extra reaction strikes throughout the day are going to be the ones to succeed um, in this tournament. And that's why I have Steve Kennedy winning it. I, I don't know if you know this, but I changed to Steve Kennedy yesterday. Go figure. Oh, really? Kevin and I, <laughs> we almost always end up with the same roster. Uh, we, don't, yeah. we don't coordinate, but we think very similarly. So it doesn't yeah. surprise me. But I've got Brandon Card leading day one. Let me just say that. I had Brandon Card on my roster, and I took him off. I've got Matt Airy, so I actually added the North Carolina guys. Who, so you who took do I have now? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm looking at it. I can get it to load. It, it would not surprise yeah. me one bit if the person that won um, – either it's going to go one or two ways. I think there's going to be a lot of fish caught, uh, but uh, – you're, you're probably going to see um, only a handful of guys really get on them good. I think you're going to see it really top heavy. So, like, the top ten are going to smash them because they figured out kind of the, the rhythm. It's hard to find a rhythm on that lake. Like, you can go – you can fish for five hours without a bite, and then you find an area that's got several fish in it, and you can figure them out there. But – they're not going to be there the next day. It just seems like they just, they're always moving, but, but I think you're going to see guys that zero. And I think you're going to see, see guys that catch 25 bass in a day. Um, it's, it's a hard lake to be consistent on across the whole, the whole body of water. But wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And is it so likely you that you'll see a guy bust a big bag and then literally bring in two fish the next day? Yes, definitely, definitely could. Yeah. yeah, that's that's for sure. So if somebody busts a big bag on the first day, which somebody will, I mean, it's the classic. It's going to happen, and it's Ray Roberts, and the fish are chewing. They're someone's going to bust a big bag on the first day. That person, I mean, I guess this is kind of an obvious statement, but that person is going to have a huge advantage over the field because of how this, how the pressure can affect this lake. I think the lake being high is going to help with that, but, um, you know, say somebody busts 25 and then like the second place is 20, you know, that, that five pounds could carry you all the way. I mean, that's, that's, that could be huge. It'd be a Caleb um, Kufal Lake Fork kind of a, or a Lake Gunnersville kind of situation where he got ahead so far and nobody could catch him. Yeah. I could see that. Mm-hmm. So, you want to – did you already go through picks? Y'all did, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But you can run down yours quick. We already shared ours. Yeah, I can do it quick. 
So I think mine's completely changed from when I sent it to Koi the other day, just to kind of compare. Um, so I have Patrick Walters in A, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking because of the moving bait deal, um, and he's kind of showing he can really just kind of do anything. I mean, didn't he win with a chatterbait on uh, Winya Bay? Yeah, uh, I think Who? no, I think his first win was Fork. But uh, I thought he, or he was in the top. I feel like he was in the in the top ten there, right? Yeah, I mean, are we, are we talking about Patrick, Patrick Walters. Walters? I think he's from that part of the. I mean, he's, he's well known. He's, he's he, yeah, he had some good tournaments like in his college career or something like that. And on, uh, but yeah, I, I must be confusing him with somebody else. Anyways, um, Patrick Walters and A. Um, I, I think there's a lot of good picks in A. I originally had Brandon Polinick, Um and that's who I kind of want to win. <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> guy I'm, I'm I'm rooting for, and then I'm I'm also rooting for Zaldane as well, uh, just because he's a, a local guy. He's kind of a buddy. I've gotten to know him and his wife's trait uh, mm-hmm. a decent amount, and I know he's super jacked up about this tournament. Um, I just think all of his like pre pre practice was spin offshore. And I just think he, I mean, that there's, I just don't think that's going to play. And not that he can't catch him up in the bushes. I just think it could, it could spin him a little bit. Um, sorry. Sorry, Chris, if you ever watch this, um, <laughs> you know, to his credit though, I remember when he, when they did that, uh, um, bull shoals at Norfolk tournament, he did really well in that tournament, flipping a drop shot in flooded bushes <laughs> in dirty water. So I know he can do it. Yeah, yeah. He, he did it. But okay. You you flip a, you flip a bush at, flip a drop shot in the right bush at Ray Roberts, and you might you might catch a ten pounder that'll take every bit of line and break your heart. So uh, yeah. it, it, he probably won't have a drop shot tied on, but maybe. Yeah. All I know is that dude's going to be amped, and I hope they have a camera on him for the first fish he catches because he's going to lose his mind. Like absolutely lose his mind, and I it, his his antics are so fantastic. I love watching him catch fish because he just gets so jacked up about it. And I I hope there's a camera on him on that first day. I'm assuming I'd be that shocked probably... if Zeldin didn't have a camera on day one. <laughs> yeah, I'll be shocked too. You'll uh, get to watch him land on a fish for ten minutes, though. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's methodical. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so Steve, uh, Steve Kennedy and B, I already told y'all that's kind of my, my my pick to win it. Um, I have John Cox and C. I think the aluminum boat guys are going to have a big advantage. And John Cox has already won a big tournament this year on a flooded Smith Lake, right? So yeah. he is a master with a swim jig, and he's really good when those fish get in that flooded stuff. He's just He's just good at it. Um, and he's fished, he has spent more days on the water in tournament action than anybody else this year. I mean, that dude is just probably more tuned in than anybody right now. I mean, he's, he, I, don't I don't know how many in a row, but he's gotten checks in like three or four tournaments in a row that he didn't even practice for. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, that, in on, uh, on Neely Henry with the 96th percent or 96th place finish. I think it was Neely, Neely or Gunnersville, one or the other. I picked him. And he killed Neely. Him, but, yeah. He was. <laughs> yeah. Bad. 
Yeah. So, um, it's all right. He's going to do well in this one. He's, he, he comes to play when it comes to the big ones. So, um, and it just, yeah. it just sets up. Um, D, well, I have. He and Justin, Justin Kerr and John Cox are, are, um, I think they're travel buddies for this deal, or they're at least they're at least friends. There's some for this but, one. It's no, probably it Keith Carson. Keith Carson. Keith Carson. Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah. Yep, had it wrong. I wasn't looking at the list. Uh, well, Keith like Carson. Yeah, he he has been practicing Keith, and uh, so you're. I mean, you you have to imagine that he's going to key him in on some things that he that he found out. So if he can get any sort of little edge, I can see him being dangerous, especially because he has a woman boat on that lake. So. Yeah. Um, D, I have Todd Otten. Uh, I think he's a little frustrated. He got second last year. Um, and, again, he is – if anyone is a master with a, a bladed jig in this bunch, it's that guy. And uh, I just really think that's going to play. And the reason I think that, not just if it's falling water, um, my the, a, a guy I fish a lot of tournaments with um, – has been stroking them on a chatterbait all year. All year, I've, I've watched him. I've watched him all year do it, and he just did it at Louisville this past weekend. And if somebody can find the, figure out the little nuances with the chatterbait, don't just throw a white. Don't throw an all white. Pick up that green chatterbait, and you're going to smash them. You're going to smash them. I just I, – like – I can't wait to watch somebody pick up a green chatterbait this weekend and go to town. I mean, it is all the difference. It, Todd it was always throws black and blue. Huh? <laughs> Todd Otten always throws black and blue. Yeah, yeah. I, he, he, threw, uh, he threw the, the Rayburn Red or, or the Red at Red Crawl at uh, Gunnersville in the Classic last year. So he kind of made that famous. Him and I know Lee threw it some, and I know I know Hank threw it some. But yeah, so I have Todd Otten in D. I just think he's he's been around a long time, R and D, um, and I think he's going to do well. I think he's going to have a top ten, maybe a top five in this one. Um, and then E, Keith Carson. Uh, Keith Carson just won on Wright Patman not that long ago in the MPFL, doing what he's going to be doing this weekend. Flipping bushes, throwing chatterbaits, throwing swim jigs, frogs. That that's what it's going to take to win this weekend. He's going to be right in his wheelhouse, and that's the kind of guys I, I just I want to pick those kind of guys this weekend. The guys that are going to be in their wheelhouse because the lakes changed. It's it's not your normal Ray Roberts, and I think I think the bushes is where it's going to be won. I just no doubt in my mind. And if I'm wrong, then whatever, I give up. <laughs> I, you, you never know. I mean, these guys are so good. They they'll find those little things that are so different. I'm just I'm just excited and giddy to watch them attack this lake. You know. I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm pumped. Yeah, it should be a good tournament. It sounds like so that's cool. Yeah, I mean I went Polinick because I feel like he can do it all, and I feel like he's the kind of guy that can fish shallow and then bop out and just have like one or two weird offshore spots where he gets one or two bites per day or so you know what i mean like where he mixes it in <clears throat> taku i am kind of banking that he's going to find something offshore and then hopefully like the bushes draws the majority of the field shallow and maybe that cracks the door for somebody because they're not competing with 
you know, and then if anybody knows how to catch pressured fish, it's a Japanese angler. Uh, so, you know, showing him something that all you Texas guys have been showing him for the last 30 years, he might show him something different and, and, and open something up. Uh, I think Luke Palmer fits right into what you're saying. Like he super comfortable. Uh, and, and, you know, for the same reason you pick Cox, Luke Palmer should be a really strong player at this event. Those Oklahoma uh, boys love fishing flooded, flipping stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're they're good at it. They deal with it every single year, flooded water. Oklahoma gets pounded with rain all the time, and those dudes know how to catch them in these conditions. So uh, I think any Oklahoma angler is a good pick too. So Yeah. And then uh, New, my, my philosophy is he won his first Open, he won his first Lead Series event, and he's fishing his first Classic. And he's a yeah, – What a about thrift. that broken hand? It's a sprained hand. It's not broken. Gosh. You imagine flipping uh, with a sprained hand for three days. Whew. He switched to uh, reeling with the other hand. He can do it. He's a thrift disciple. He can do it. I mean, yeah, he's uh, amazing. He's amazing. And then uh, we, we agree on Carson. So so I think he's I trying. actually, in my mind, just convinced myself back to Brandon Polinick and A. <laughs> uh, and the reason is, is a lot of that, a lot of those fish that Koi and I caught when it was very similar conditions were on whopper ploppers and big walking baits. And yeah. I could see I could see him putting that Arashi top walker in his hand and going to town on some Ray Roberts points. I mean I could see that happening. And so I'm gonna go back with Brandon Polinick and A because he was my gut pick. So I don't feel bad. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Sorry Patrick Walters, you're out. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and he's due. Man, he's Polinix dude. Matt he said, said uh, Matt sounds like he saw BMP out there a whole bunch up until off limits. Yeah. Yeah. I saw in an interview though, he, he spent almost all of his time offshore, which four foot ago would have been the right thing to do. But well, he uh, also also spent a lot of his time running the lake from what he said like learning how to run around the lake. And that is a huge factor on that. I've been fishing that lake for years and I still get terrified running around on that lake and it hinders me a lot. I get stuck on that South end of the lake and there's nothing wrong with the South end. I, I think, I think the, I think the tournament's going to get one on the South end. I think the, the biggest fish in that lake live on the South end. Um, but that timber draws a lot of boats and there's, there's a lot of tournaments one up there. I'm not going to say that there's not, but uh, I will, I do think that, it being flooded on that south end is going to draw a lot of those monster fish that are typically already out in 30 foot brush piles back up into that stuff, especially if the bait's up in there. So, um, that, uh, that spot that Golden, that Danny Golden caught, or his guide clients caught those fish on on the south end in it a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, what did they catch there? It was uh, back to back, maybe back to back to back. It was a 13 and an 11 and a 10. I think. Yeah, in a, in that, yeah, and in that same is it are you are you talking about like when we were catching them good out there? No, this is years ago whenever uh when when he caught him on an A rig. It was one oh, yeah, A rig and a, a jerk bait. Um they caught a his client caught a the lake record, almost mm-hmm. sixteen pounds on a jerk oh, bait. That's right. And then they also went out another day and caught like a twelve and a ten and an eleven. And that, that's different. You you would have seen you would have seen some of that if the classic would have been what it was supposed to be, right? Uh, Jerk Bay would have. I mean, I would have picked Tank Cherry all day to win it if it would have. I would have. I would have picked him to go back to back if it would have been back in March, hundred percent. 
I mean, it would have it would have been right in his wheelhouse. Nice. So, um, yeah, and I and I, I don't know. I think I think even though Polinick studied offshore, he seems smart enough that. You know, he, he won't have to spend his time re you know graphing. <clears throat> and he'll he'll dabble and test that stuff in practice and he'll either determine whether they're there or not and he'll adjust if they're not. I, I don't think he'll die out there, but I I don't know. <laughs> so what what do you think uh in your in your studies, Rich, what what do you think the big bass of the tournament's gonna be? What are you hoping it's gonna be? I I mean I have no I was gonna actually ask you guys, are we gonna see one over ten pounds or not? Let's postpone. No, uh, it unlikely. Would unlikely. Not impossible, but unlikely. It, it ah, would surprise I mean, me. Might. I just I just don't see it happening. So what do you think Big I Fish is? Eight, 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 nine? It I'll might be five. almost 10 pounds. <laughs> I would not be surprised to see a bunch of sevens and a handful of eights and maybe one or two in the nine-pound class. But those might be like – 14 pound bags, you know, you might have an eight pounder and a couple of twos or something like that. You know, it, they're kind of random. They're not, it's hard to target those, those giants. You might catch, you might catch a giant and then in the next flip or for the next five hours, you only catch non keepers. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't think anybody's going to catch a 40 pound bag or, or 30 pounds even, but, uh, I think you'll see some high twenties throughout the tournament. Nice. I agree. Be sweet. <clears throat> I agree with that. So uh, it's a 14-inch minimum, I assume? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not uh, that you're going to take Matt Dillon out. He lives on the lake, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw that. I was just waiting for you to finish up. Hit me up you're on Facebook, assuming, man. You're assuming maybe he just wants to have lunch. Maybe like hey, coffee. You know. I don't know. <laughs> The first time uh, Kevin and I ever hung out, I, I asked him if he wanted to go out to eat to lunch, and uh, he said, "Where do you want to go?" I said, "Let's go to Olive Garden." Uh, well, you know, he, he thought I was literally asking him on a on a little date to Olive Garden, but uh, quickly Inmate. let him know that I was a married man. And I was inviting he and his wife to go to Olive Garden to go eat, not just he and I. So, uh, you know, Matt, it, it, you know, either way, but uh, I was like, I mean, this guy's pretty forward, I guess. I guess we're going to. <laughs> Guess we're going Olive Garden. He likes his Olive Garden, so here we go. I was like, yeah. That was really early on in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Ken, Ken thinks Zell Dangerous is going to get a deep double digit. So, If anyone's going to do it, I can see, it, I can see him doing it. But the back to Corey's point is that he'll catch a 10-pounder, and then that will be the only fish he brings in that day. <laughs> Yeah, because he'll get some giant bait locked in his hand. That is the only I, I love Chris, but man, he he really gets locked into that big bait philosophy. And you know, good for him for sticking to his guns, but man, it, it can be hard to watch him not be versatile sometimes. I'm like, dude, just like put up the think about it fourth. Like if he would have put up the glide baits and picked up a big topwater. I mean, he was around giants. I mean, he was. I mean, I, I guess he lost some big ones in that in the final day there. I mean, no one was catching Lee. I mean, Lee, right. Lee flat out freaking crushed him. But in that tournament, the whole time I was like, man, just watching him, like, dude, just pick up that walking bait, like, pick up a, a top water or some do something different. But he he's got that swing for the fence mentality, and I mean, he's an elite series pro, and I'm not. So, what what can I say? 
He'll be winging a big swim bait, though. I guarantee he's going to throw a big swim bait. I, you know who else is going to be throwing one since he just won an open throwing one? Brandon Polinick going to be throwing that mag draft around some some flooded bushes. And I can see that being something. I really could. I mean, it's just I, – you, I mean, you never know. That's one of those moving bait deals that might get a couple key bites for those guys. And I was, I was going to go back to Polinick and why you picked him because he said he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, can kind of do anything. If you watch any of his, his uh, like, vlogs that he does, um, his videos that he has puts out on YouTube, um, man, just watching him, like, when he makes the cut and does, you know, gets, you know, gets into the third and fourth day of a tournament, like, he's doing different things every morning, like, just trying different stuff, yeah. doing new things, like, always experimenting. And it's it's pretty amazing that he's one of those guys. That I, I kind of feel like he's um, I kind of lump him with like Jordan Lee and Jacob Wheeler, like guys that are really good at putting a bunch of rods on the deck and just fishing everything in front of them and fishing yeah. the moment and like just putting putting something together as the day goes on. And at the end of the day, being like, I just went and caught him. You know, and I, I could see that that kind of fisherman doing really well in this tournament. So because I think it's going to take a bunch of baits and he's gotten much better at avoiding the bombs. Like early in his career, he would do that and win a couple, but he'd have some just tanks. Right. And now, like he rarely misses a top 50 cut. <clears throat> yeah, he's pretty impressive. That's why I changed back to him in a because yeah. he was my initial gut pick to win it. I think it's Steve Kennedy's time, but. Brandon Polinick was my initial gut pick to win it. Yeah, and the six-inch mag draft catches three pounders all day. Like it's barely bigger than a chatterbait, honestly. Like I've caught, I've caught one-pound smallmouth on a six-inch bullshad. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, Kevin, fish just we eat talked big about. Speak, speaking of smallmouth, small tell mouth. us about these elusive Ray Bob smallmouth. Yeah, I want to. I want to see what you think as far as what you think. What's the biggest smallmouth somebody's going to catch in this tournament? I don't know about smallmouth, but I bet there's a couple four and five pound mean mouths caught. There's a lot more mean mouths in that lake than there are smallmouths. Hmm. Um, the smallmouths are very, very, very elusive. You don't see many actual smallmouth in that lake being caught out of that lake. But you, over the last few years, you've seen a, a ton of big mean mouth. So you're gonna you're gonna see some big mean mouth for sure because um, those they'll, they'll be up in those bushes too. And those are the ones that'll probably smash the top water. Sure. Hope they get one of those on on TV. That'd be really cool on live. Yeah, that would be the danger for Steve Kennedy is if he picks up the big bait. I think those of us that think Kennedy will do well, we're banking on him flipping around that three quarters white swim jig in the bushes. <laughs> is how we think him doing well. If he starts picking up the big baits, that could lead to him doing the other direction. I mean, uh, where he gets too tied into something and, and swings too hard. I think this is more of like a, when he won on Dardanelle, when he, uh, right, like that type of fishing. <clears throat> yeah. That was actually the, the the tournament that I thought of when I was thinking Steve Kennedy was Dardanelle more than, more than even Conroe. Um, he, he just, he loves to throw the swim jig and he will catch, it would be hard for him. If he'll throw that, he'll catch a, a good limit every day. Uh, if he can, he can catch that good limit and then add, a giant 
or a five or six pounder, even just one of those, then I think he'll have a legitimate shot. If he can fill it with three pounders and have one six pounder each day, I think he has a shot. Yeah. Matt Quinlan just made a really good point. Um, and I know someone personally that always catches them on a spinnerbait on Ray Roberts. Um, a spinnerbait is huge on Ray Roberts. Um, but if it's variable winds that aren't, it's not very windy, that's where I see the guy that picks up the chatterbait is going to catch those fish that might catch, that the spinnerbait might catch when it's windy, you know, and that's why I really think that that, that chatterbait's going to play. Um, but definitely, definitely you're going to see some guys chunking around a spinnerbait. I mean, it's flooded bushes. It's, that's a that's a staple thing to do in flooded bushes. Nice. So, and are we, we going to see a frog play? I hope so. <laughs> yes, I think. Uh, I think if you're good at skipping a frog and you can get it back in those bushes, that's honestly I've seen Seth Fighter do that. I've seen him do it, and he's really really good at skipping a frog. And a lot of people can't skip a frog, but if you can get that thing to get behind that front edge of the of the flooded bushes especially if the water is still and if it's not dropping and they're staying back in it and behind it, you could absolutely come away with some monster, monster bites like that. You know, frog is absolutely 110% my favorite way to catch fish ever. I've, I've caught a lot of big bags on a frog. I've just caught a lot of big fish on a frog. Uh, Ray Roberts, the frog bite on that lake has always eluded me. <laughs> I don't know why. Even when we were catching them really good, when it was flooded, it wasn't on. It wasn't on a frog. It was on big walking baits and ploppers and burning bull shads and and kind of doing some some different hot water stuff. Um, but it is hard to find out there. I think a frog bite, especially kind of this early in the summer, late in the spring, where they're not really fry guarding anymore. You know, um, but I could definitely see if someone's you know, patient and found an area that's got some, got a, a good population of fish in it. And, you know, they may pick that up and catch a couple key fish on it, but I don't think it's going to be uh, the sole bait for anybody this sure. weekend. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely think some fish will be caught on a frog. Or they just find a little trash mat here or back of a pocket or one little area. Yeah, where trash mats blue, for sure. Bluegill beds or something like that. Who knows? Right. So, yeah. Uh, so, First day, 53 anglers, how many limits do you think we're going to see? Man, I don't know. Good question. I bet uh, I'm going to take it from the other end of that spectrum. I think that there are going to be um, – I bet there's six zeros. I bet there's six zeros. So negative. That may be a little bold. I bet that's, <laughs> that may be pretty bold. But I really think that that lake can – and there's some newbies here and some guys that are not used to the Classic, and so that's going to add some pressure. I mean, I might – maybe we'll drop it down to four. But I think it'll be – I think you're going to see several zeros. Um, I bet of the 53 anglers, I bet uh, yeah. less than 20 catch a limit every day that they fish. It would it would be surprising to me if more than that happened, more than that caught it. What do you think, Kev? Am I off? I don't think there's going to be any zeros on the first day. Um, 
and that's just basing on my experience when it's flooded bushes on that lake they just get in it they get up in it and, and they bite those fish in those bushes they're just to me those those fish are typically easier to get to bite than highly pressured offshore fish on a on a lake that has no current you know i just feel like they're gonna they're gonna bite really well and i don't think there's gonna be any zeros on the first day and i think less than 10 less than 10 anglers won't catch a limit on the first day um and i wow. honestly i won't be shocked uh i guess i will i just i i don't know i'm i'm trying to trying to watch my expectations but like i honestly wouldn't be shocked if everyone had a limit the first day Coy's negative. Negative? I guess I'm just negative coy. I have some really negative. bad experiences. <laughs> I'm typically the negative one when we're fishing together. So I don't but, know. The tournaments that we've actually fished out there, it's usually 35 mile an hour winds, or it's April, late April, and it's 22 degrees outside with 30 mile an hour just straight line winds. It, it's we've always had miserable experiences. So I don't get my hopes up on Ray Roberts. I don't know. So, but everyone everyone catches them out there. I mean, it always takes big bags to win on that lake. And that so the tournament we're talking about was a Bass Champs tournament in June several years ago. It was flooded and we went out and practiced I guess two weekends in a row, maybe three three different days. And it was dead calm, just kind of a, a kind of kind of cloudy a little bit but dead calm very sounds like kind of similar to what the conditions might be this weekend and 25 pounds a day no problem every time we went out on a top water like no problem it was it was crazy i'd never seen that before on that lake tournament comes around it blows 30 miles an hour out of the south and literally it like three and four foot swells are rolling into every single point that we had, except for like four, which we weren't the only one on that pattern. And we were rotating like four or five points that were protected with like 40 other boats. <laughs> it felt like, and so we never even got to do what we found because everything just got destroyed. And what we didn't do is make an adjustment. Like what the winners ended up doing was picking up a big giant spinner bait and getting in those waves and getting in those bushes and smashed, I think they had like 27 or 28 pounds that day, throwing a big spinner bait from what I remember. And we didn't make that adjustment. We're not elite series pros, so we're not, we're not, sometimes we make those adjustments. These guys make those adjustments almost every time. And so if those guys found that in practice and it happens to blow in the tournament, that guy will probably pick up a spinner bait and smash them. I mean, if that's, if that bite is happening, it, this tournament's going to be, wild i mean it's going to be wild to see you're going to see a lot of really cool top water bites <laughs> a lot yeah i think i don't know if you missed this earlier but i think these guys both thought somewhere between eight and nine pounds big bass yeah i bet i bet day one it'll be in the nine pound range i just think there's a whole lot of fish out there in the five and six pound class that uh, you're going to see a lot of that. A lot of guys so, are going to hold up some big ones. Do these eight, nine pounders get up in the bushes too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So that's you, not just you might, somebody, you, you might see somebody get them offshore. I, I, I can't say that the offshore bite's not going to happen. Um, it all depends on if they pull current and if uh, how dirty it is. And, and uh, I mean, it's going to be stable. So it's not, it's not going to come up anymore. If anything, it's going to drop, which I don't think that's necessarily going to, going to hurt that bite. It could, it could just help those fish are going to come out of some of that stuff maybe and, and go back out there. But if you're going to have an offshore thing, I, I would imagine it's going to be on Sunday and not on, not on Friday. Yeah. And the lake is, the lake is clean right now. I mean, all the flooded lakes around here are clean because we've gotten so much rain. There's no more dirty runoff coming into the lakes. Everything's saturated around here. Uh, I mean, Louisville was clean from top to bottom. Um, I mean, it, it's clean. I guarantee it's clean. Um, it was clean when, when we were out there the last time it was flooded. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be clean. So there, you know, the big bass might come from offshore. It, it might, I just, I just, I'm going to stick to my guns and say this tournament will not be one offshore. Someone may mix it in uh, a little bit, but I just, I mean, I, I went, I fished Louisville on Sunday, which fishes kind of similar when it comes to offshore. Um, Louisville's five and a half feet high when I fished it. And I fished three of mine and Coy's absolute best offshore spots. And they were, a, you know, a graveyard. They were empty. Nothing. There was nothing on them. No bait either. That's the key. The bait's still shallow on a lot of these lakes because it was 75 degrees. I mean, they're not, they're not, nothing's getting offshore yet, hmm. you know, so they're going to follow their forage. And if the forage is shallow, that's where the fish are going to be. They're not going to be out there in that, in that deep stuff. And so, I mean, all the bait on Louisville was in like two to seven foot, all of it. And I could, trust me, I could see it because it looked like there was, it looked like it was one foot deep on my graph when I was sitting at eight feet. So, so yeah, I guess forage. We like so this is a shad lake, bluegill, crappies, anything else? Is it just kind of your basic Texas lakes yeah. got all the above? Basic, yep. Yeah. A lot of shad, nothing super crazy, but uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of crappie in there. I think mostly they just it's a shad lake primarily. Uh, so there's some grass. It's coming back a little bit, but it's mostly a hardcover lake, right? Yep. Yeah, lots of lots and lots of stumps. In fact, the the four foot of water that's on there is going to make it really interesting because a lot of the stumps that are out there stick out about four foot out of the water. So you're going to see a lot of broken props, a lot of busted uh, lower units. It wouldn't surprise me if you had at least a couple guys that it, it got took out because they ran over the. And unfortunately, I have very personal experience doing that. It's uh, it's not hard to do. Um, so it's it's a dangerous lake, really, when you when you think about it. I mean, especially when you can't see those stumps that used to be even just a couple inches or a foot out of the water. So it'll make it interesting. So I think uh, Panger's prop bet today was over under four lower units you're taking the over i, I actually <laughs> texted with a, a group of buddies and i said how many over under how many uh, lower units do y'all think are gonna get torn up and this was after we uh 
we we were watching um, Ronnie Moore's video of him running with Patrick Walters out of the back of Indian Creek. He took some turns that I was like, "Oh man, you're running! You're done." I, I've, I've ran with somebody all the way to the back of Indian Creek, and some of the stuff, some of the stuff he was running over, big, big hard stumps. <laughs> like it was making me, it was making my butt pucker, and I wasn't even in the boat. So uh, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the under, but I think it's gonna be three or four. So I mean, it's probably right there. I'm, I'm gonna take the under because I think. You know, a lot of there's going to be, I bet, I bet 25 guys run into some of them while they're driving. Right. Uh, but it doesn't but, fully take it out. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, a lot of the tops of those trees are not going to be that hard. You know, those big, tall, skinny trees, it's not going to be, it's not going to take out a little unit. It might ding up a prop if you hit it right. But uh, I'll take you know, the old inch flames. Yeah. Yeah. 53, actually, 53 insurance claims. <laughs> Wait, how many guys are running aluminum boats? How many guys are running aluminum boats? At least maybe three or two. No, subtract those guys from the insurance. Well, there's more. There's, yeah, we got Lowen, Carson, Cox. There's one other guy that's uh, – no, Shane LaHue's not. It's one of those type of guys. You're thinking Skylar Hamilton. He's not. Oh, yeah. He's not. Gustafson's yeah, in it. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, it's a it's a scary lake. It really is. It's and it's dangerous. So and those guys, they throw caution to the wind and they drive across stuff that if they can't see it, it's not there. Uh, Who was it? That somebody somebody on here just commented saying something about not imagining an eight pounder in a bush. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I've I've caught several biggins on a frog around bushes, um, and it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. But yes, it's it's uh, not easy to get them out for sure. So you're going to see some heartbreak this weekend. So I think no you doubt. guys keep talking about reaction baits. Do you not see a flipping bite? Is that not a thing? Oh, that's going to be the that's going to be the number one thing to me. Okay. I just think that the guy that's going to be able to put that down and pick up a moving bait, I think the moving bait to me is going to catch some key fish. I don't think it's going to be the dominating factor. Um, I just don't see it being completely one flipping. I think, I think a moving bait is going to definitely come into play. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, in the the second and third day, especially when those fish start kind of getting, more pressure, a little suspended, you know, kind of hanging off the bushes a little more um, because I mean, I, it's a, it's a bit, it's a big lake to me because I don't fish all the lakes that all the pros fish. They fish some massive lakes, but they're going to make that lake fish real small, real quick. Cause those dudes can just cover so much water and those fish are going to feel that pressure after the first day or two. And they'll, they'll start suspending off of those bushes a little more. That's where I really think you'll 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 start seeing that come into play the second and third day. That flipping bite will be good for twelve to fourteen pounds. Some guys might catch more, but I think it's going to be kind of that two and a half pound average, maybe. Um, 
with an occasional three or four pounder that'll keep you doing it. But if you want to win it, you're going to have to do something else. You won't win it doing that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So Nathan, sounds like you're new to the stream stumbled upon YouTube. Uh, so we're talking about the Bassmasters Elite Series. And this weekend is the Bassmasters Classic, which is essentially the Super Bowl of bass fishing. So this is like our Daytona 500. This is our Super Bowl. This is where the best 50 anglers in the world that have competed through various circuits to get here uh, are uh, fishing for $300,000 in a world championship. So um, Bassmaster.com. <laughs> uh, hope that you sum it up without going to super details, but thanks for tuning in and thanks for the question, Nathan. Yeah. Um, best spawning spot on the lake, Matt. No doubt, Indian Creek. So, how about how about a square bill? Is it is the water too clear for a square bill, or you think that's? You've been out there I, since I'm, I have. You're not going to see me throwing a square bill through newly flooded willow bushes. Yeah, you think they're too green for a square bill? Too green. Okay. Almost going to be too green for a, a chatterbait, but you got to have it in your hand. You got to do it. If it was normal pool, you could throw it around stumps. There are some rocks. Some there. Isle de Bois actually has got a little bit of riprap. The dam has been known to catch some good fish on it. There are some areas that you could catch some fish on a square bill, but it's just not. It's not uh, with the flooded conditions. It's probably not going to play as much. Yeah, we did go through those. Lee, let me see if I can. Brandon Polnick, Keith Carson, John Cox, Kennedy. Uh, Steve Kennedy and South Carolina guy. Todd on. Todd on. There it is. I can yeah, see him. My picks. Oh, what else? What else have we talked about? Is there anything we haven't covered about Ray Bob uh, that we need to talk about that would be sad that we didn't talk about before this weekend? Man. This is the first hour of the show, so I don't know everything y'all talked about. So. We kind of left a lot of the deep dive lake stuff until you got here. <clears throat> we talked about kind of the classic in general <clears throat> and, and what it's all about and you know why you should go and <clears throat> and, and that type of you know, I, I just so, think sorry, I, I just think the thing that I am the most excited about is that most of these guys probably never even heard of Ray Roberts before they before this got announced. Sure. And it's just going to be really cool as a local guy to see, you know, part of me is happy that it's flooded, but part of me is kind of sad that it's not, or that, that it's, that it's, you know, not at normal pool. Cause I would love to see, you know, what these guys would do when it's kind of at normal level on this lake to kind of separate themselves from the field. Um, it would just be it, it, regardless. It's going to be really cool to see what they do. And most of them have zero history on this lake and it's just new water to them. And to me, that is some of my favorite times to fish is when I'm going somewhere new. It's just exciting. It, it, it brings me back to why I love fishing. It's a puzzle. Um, you know, it can get really redundant sometimes around here when you, you've been fishing these lakes for so, so long and you just get in these little patterns that, when you launch the boat, you know, everything you're going to do from minute one to the last minute. Right. And uh, it's going to be really fun to watch guys that have spent three days on this lake, four days on this lake and, and see what they do. I'm just, I'm really excited about that. And I think that's one of the cool things about this classic is that it's not a lake that 
people know, you know, it's just, it's not Gunnersville. It's not, we don't know what to expect. We really don't know what to expect. And that's, I think that's the most exciting thing about it. And we're getting a summer classic. I'm all about summer classics. Let's just move it to summer. Uh, I think it, I think it proves most of the time to me, it proves the, the better angler. I think it's a tougher time of year to fish. Um, and I just, you know, I, 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 I'm all about the summer classic. Maybe they'll, they'll see the, the turnout from the people vacationing and coming here. Uh, I bet this classic is going to be one that more people travel to than have in, in recent years um, because it's in the summer and kids aren't in school. You're going to see a lot of kids at this classic and that's, that's going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Texas high school bass association is, uh, that is the biggest it rivals, if not is big, bigger than Alabama's high school bass. And all of those guys, uh, Matt Tolney with THSBA is one of the, one of the best promoters of the sport. And he's going to have all of those high schoolers fired up. And you're going to see so many high school kids. I think they have uh, a, around 15,000 comp- uh, competing anglers between there's the East Texas uh, Bass Association and there's Texas High School Bass Association. And both of those combined, it's something like 15,000 students. It's a massive mm-hmm. amount of high school, high school anglers that fish uh, tournaments around here that are almost all going to be at the Classic. It would shock me if they weren't. Nice. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked for the the summer classic too. Like, uh, I think it'll be and like I don't think there's ever been a June classic. I think they've always been like August, September. August. Yeah. Um. So I think this this could be really interesting, uh, and it's good to see that. And I don't know that it's ever going to shape things up long term, but it'd be cool because you know if, if you ever have June classics, and there's hope that there's one that goes more ge- geographically open, right? Like, I mean, how cool would it be to see a Champlain? classic or something like that in june or you know what i mean like that would be nuts oh, uh, man. but it's also in your back door more more than ray roberts is anyway so yeah. it'd be it'd be fun for those northerners to get to to go to something like that it'd be amazing there's bound to be venues up there that could host it for sure i mean it's 50 boats like yeah that um well, more also, about the classic the first- but that's what I mean. Like, if you'd 50 boats, we've got so much water. Surely you could find a convention center or arena that's close. I mean, like, for 50 boats, right? Like, you don't need a massive lake. So, yep. This is the first classic that I'm going to attend as well. So, nice. I, I've had a couple that have been close in Conroe and Grand Lake, and it just never really panned out for me to go. And so I'm like extremely excited to go this weekend. That's why I've been to three corners of Texas today, trying to get all my work done this week. I, I flew into Harlingen, Texas, in the very southern tip of yep. Texas this morning, and flew to Houston from there this afternoon, then to here in El Paso um, this, this evening. So I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. Sounds like there'll be some, and the, and the expo is always cool, right? We talked about cool things. Sounds like they have limited edition colors of sweet beavers. Um, They've got a good looking one that catches them on a lake around here that they're putting out. I, I might have to snag some. Nice. I do not think all past classic champion should be at the classic no but i do think 
they I, Mark Jeffries actually brought this up a couple weeks ago or maybe last week that they should have a tournament of champions. Like anybody that's ever won a classic or elite series, like that kind of that would be cool, but not separate from the classic. Yeah, I saw that. I I, I watched that uh, that episode and they talked about another tournament. Like a team tournament, they were talking about like putting guys in in a in a boat together and doing yeah. like a team team style tournament or something. It would it would be interesting. Yeah, uh, just because they're not going to be there doesn't mean they won't have the tackle trap with some exclusive colors. I'm betting the tackle trap will have the exclusive colors. They're pretty tight. <clears throat> uh, oh, sounds like they'll have them online as well. So there you go. It'll be a great place to pick up some stuff. Definitely don't don't come expecting to uh, not spend some money because you're going to get some opportunities to – actually bought some of my first Dobbins rods ever at the Bassmaster Classic that year nice. at Grand Lake. Uh, I bought a 735 Champion XP, and uh, it was the, the graphite rod, and it was a stout flipping rod. It was actually maybe my first flipping rod, um, like intentional flipping rod. And uh, it stayed in my arsenal for a long time. I got rid of it a couple of years ago. Is it the 736? <clears throat> it was maybe, maybe it was 730. It was old. I mean, it was several years ago. Sure. But uh, it could have been 736. 735 is my all time go to frog rod. I went yeah. away from it for a little bit. I, I bought one, I think it was maybe last year. And I don't know why I ever went away from it. That is like the greatest frogging rod. The a lot of people like the 736, but I liked the little more tip in the 735 <clears throat> for the I mean, for the tactical frogging anyways. <clears throat> yeah, the, the, a lot of the frogging we do around here is more open water, under bushes. It's not matted grass. For matted grass, 736 all day. I bump up to the 795 instead in the mats. Or the 766 is what I'm thinking. 766. That thing is a broomstick. <laughs> um, Nathan, uh, mainly Bassmaster.com, but also FS1. But I think if you're watching FS1 in Canada, you'll get different programming. So you can check it out on Bassmaster.com, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if you're interested. <clears throat> and you should have no problem seeing it on Bassmaster ta- Bassmaster.com, even in Canada. <clears throat> uh, yeah, since this is a YouTube live stream, I, I don't feel bad saying it. Uh, I'm a cheapskate, and I don't have any uh, actual TV um, subscriptions. Like, I don't have any cable subscriptions at all. If you download the app, you get a free hour. And after that hour is up on FS on FS1, the Fox Sports app, you can delete the app and re-download it and watch another hour for free. So uh, oh. just a little tip for those of you who don't have uh, sports subscriptions. That's interesting because, like, <clears throat> I tried to go through the browser. <clears throat> And you get a free hour on the browser, but I couldn't figure out a way to shake that. Like I watched a browse. I like watched an hour on my computer and I tried to go to my phone and it was like, nope, you already used your hour. <laughs> Even like with the Wi-Fi Apple thing, uh, you may, you may, may not be able to do it with your Androids over there, but uh, it could just be an Apple <laughs> deal. I don't know. Uh, but give it, a, give it a try. If you, if you just have to have that, that FS1 live action, that's that's a good way to do it. It is it is pretty buttery. They're, 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 those cameras look really good on FS1. <clears throat> as much as I like Ronnie Moore, uh, I, I much rather listen to Mark Zona and Tom Sanders. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, yeah. So Ron. 
Justin Kerr is a hammer. We actually shared a stretch at Pickwick where he qualified. <clears throat> so we had a lot of the same water uh, on Pickwick when he made it to the Classic. Nice. One of these days I'll make it up there and, and fish some of, some of those lakes up there. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, but I'm also a cord cutter. I, right at the beginning of COVID, I was like, we're done. All my kids watch Netflix and YouTube. We don't need uh, cable or anything like that. So, um, yeah, all we have is uh, Netflix and Disney Plus. Yeah, I think we have Disney Plus too. <laughs> yeah, Netflix anymore. We got no Netflix or Hulu. Hulu and Disney Plus. That's all we got. Yeah. All right, here you go. Android phone. Do you download TV mod? I'm writing this one down. I'm gonna check this out. What's an Android phone? A superior <laughs> device. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Uh, uh, Thing him a little bit from our pre-live stream conversation. It's a device that actually allows you to freedom to do things that you can't on your overly restricted device. Oh, except for like. I don't know. I'm not a device guy. <laughs> you're, 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 you're right. iPhone is super easy to use, and that's why I like it. So it's 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 for simple people like Koi and me. You know, that's Keep fine. It simple. I like the kiss, the kiss method. Cool. <clears throat> All right. Well, you know what, guys, we're at two hours and ten minutes. Uh, at least Koi and I are. So um, I think we're at a good spot. We covered things. Uh, if you guys came late, the replay will be up on YouTube and Facebook. Thanks for everybody that tuned in. Also, tomorrow morning, I'll upload the audio version on podcast. So if you want to listen to it while you're flying around, Kevin, back and forth to airports or exercising or driving to the expo, uh, you can just search Hellabass on your favorite podcast app, and uh, you can catch uh, this replay and a whole bunch of other ones. So um, thank you guys for coming on. Nice to meet you, Kevin. Uh, yeah, me too, man. Thanks for having me on. If you guys ever make it up to Minnesota, hit me up. I'll show you what uh, some good fishing is. And uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I think we're all excited to watch uh, uh, some fishing this weekend. Although I might go out fishing instead. That's about it. This is the one downside to June. Like when it's February and March classics, I ain't got nothing to do because it's the ice yeah. is frozen. Like I'm like tuned in. But this weekend, I'm probably going to go fishing and miss some of the live coverage. So. Hey, just, uh, just do what I do and throw your uh, your Android or iPhone on the front deck and just let it roll. Yeah, a lot of days on the water with Koi where we have the Bass Live on the phone listening to it while we're fishing. Yeah, so very cool. All right, well, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you guys want to, uh, and uh, just remember, we're here to uh, help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. 
Please consider sharing this with any of your Bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hello Bass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.